It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And a very good afternoon, folks. Welcome to another edition of Sports Central. Sunday, the 13th of February. Uh, Weather in Sydney, 24 degrees currently. A few clouds about as well. On the Gold Coast too. And welcome to our listeners through SEN 1620. Uh, Cloudy up there as well, it tells me. uh, Top of around... 26 degrees. Chris Warren with you for the next four hours as we chat all things sport and a whole lot more. And as always, uh, there's an open invitation uh, for you guys and girls to be part of the show via the open line and via the text. So if you want to pick up the phone and have a chat, uh, the number is 1300 011170. And if you want to send some text messages through, it can be about anything, uh, be about the All-Stars match, be about the Super Bowl, be about the Winter Olympics, uh, NBL, um, A-League, you, you, your choice, your choice. That text line 0457 736 736. But as you know, uh, rugby league, footy's my sport and uh, isn't it good? Isn't it great, in fact, for it to be uh, to be back? Uh, and that's exactly where we'll start. Um, a packed house, wasn't it, at Parramatta uh, last night? Really good to see them come out in their droves, given the uh, the awful weather conditions, really, and the Indigenous All-Stars uh, t- taking on the Maori All-Stars. Um, and before even talking about the match itself, what about the pre-game rituals and, and the war dances by both teams? How good was that? Uh, do you watch that? Let me know what you think. Uh, if you ever thought this game was just an exhibition, well, think again. And what about the opening try of 2022? Uh, hemmed inside their own 20 Indigenous uh, boys, David Fafita. My goodness, down that edge. He beat uh, three defenders on that eastern touchline. 80-metre try. Just brilliant it was. We'll chat later to our, our very own Joel Kane, who called all the action on SEN at a, uh, a wet and wild Combank Stadium last night. So um, the Maori boys, they ended up winning the game uh, 16 points to 10. Um, 16 points to 10, the uh, the final score. Um, and so Maori uh, All-Stars, they retained the Arthur Beetson uh, trophy. And Raiders forward, Joseph Tarpane, he was good, wasn't he? Uh, he was awarded the Preston Campbell medal as man of the match. So uh, we'll go through that match and uh, hear from uh, a couple of the boys as well. Um, and incidentally, Josh Kerr from the Indigenous side, he's going to be joining us around about 2 o'clock, so I look forward um, to that. Now, a huge uh, day uh, in Houston for USC 271. We'll be right across that. I'll get to that in a moment, but just firstly on the Winter Olympics, um, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports is going to join us um, to chat about all the events in Beijing. And uh, last night, well... um, Aussie girl, Jackie Narricott. She was going for gold in the women's skeleton. She won silver, not gold. But it, um, it's a record-breaking win. It's the first time ever that we as a country have won a medal at any Winter Olympics in a sliding event. So quite remarkable. And then that takes our medal tally to four, which is the best ever. So we can say now, and there's still, what, a week to go, um, it's the most successful Winter Olympics campaign ever for Australia. So well done. Um, I don't know what other medal chances we've got. I'll chat to Lockie McCurdy a bit later on for that. Okay, from uh, the slopes, 
um, to the Octagon. UFC 271. Now, this sport, admittedly, it's not for all of us. Some find it a bit too gory. But you can't be, uh, I guess, attracted to it in some part. Um, Whether you're a a mixed martial arts purist or not, I do know a lot of fellas. And it's probably, you know, more a younger crew that follow UFC. A, A lot of people are out and about today at pubs as we speak, probably, taking in UFC 271. Uh, the headline fights uh, in a matter of hours, Rob Whitaker, his rematch with middleweight world title fight um, against New Zealander Israel Adesanya. So the rematch they fought a few years ago. And then we've got Mount Druitt's Taito Avasa against the number three in the heavyweight division, the KO King, I think they call him Derek Lewis. Now the Yanks, they can't get enough of Tuavasa. Um, he's uh, managed too by the, the boys from No Limit, or Shoei Vasa is that he's known for his trademark beer sculling out of his own shoe. Uh, that about the hygiene factor there. I'll be chatting shortly to JJ Rocker from Rocked Podcast uh, to talk all things UFC. There's also a couple of other Aussies on the undercard, including Casey O'Neill from uh, the Gold Coast. Uh, she's got big plans, aiming to become Australia's first female UFC world champ. I think she's unbeaten in three fights since her debut uh, last February winning by KO each time. She's a nice story there. She's born in Scotland, raised on the Goldie, and now training out of Vegas. So look forward to chatting to JJ Rocker. All things UFC. Um, We'll do that shortly, in fact. Cricket. Uh, Australia plays Sri Lanka tonight, back at the SCG, holding a 1-0 series lead in the five-game T20 series. A 20-run win on Friday in a rain-affected match. I heard uh, new interim coach Andrew McDonald on SEN this station yesterday. Um, with Jason Matthews. So I might dig that out, actually, and replay that interview in full if, if we do get time because, uh, you know, it's timely, isn't it? That was his first win in charge in the hot seat, if you like. Uh, we'll chat a fair bit of cricket later, too, with Paul Dennett from Cricket Unfiltered Podcast. And what about Will Pukowski? Uh, he just can't take a trick, can he? Another concussion that rules him out of his comeback match in the Sheffield Shield uh, yesterday. Um, it's just been a horror run for, for Will after... What well, making his test debut against, was it India last year, wasn't it? He was subbed out of the game on the final day of Victoria's drawn Sheffield Shield clash against South Australia. So a fair bit for us to talk about in the world of cricket. Um, Victoria captain, by the way, Peter Hanscom, did very, very well. Big effort from him yesterday, an unbeaten 148. Uh, but that match ending in a draw. Uh, Victoria and South Australia in the Shield. And million-dollar deals for Aussie big guns, Pat Cummins and David Warner in the IPL auctions. At Cummins sold for $1.34 million. Thank you uh, to Colcat and Knight Riders. Not bad coin, is it? Um, but it is a very big drop from last year. He was bought for $3.16 million by Colcatter last year. Uh, Davey Warner went for $1.16 million to the Ricky Ponting coach, Delhi Daredevils. It's good money, isn't it? Um, I think you and I uh, might be in the wrong game. Um, and even the poor auctioneer, did you, did you hear about this? The poor auctioneer, he felt the pinch too on day one of the, the two-day auction. He collapsed during bidding. They say low blood pressure. I reckon I'd faint too. Um with that sort of dough being tossed about. A total of 47 Aussies will go under the hammer over the uh, the two-day event. Now, what else is happening in soccer? Um, 
Sydney FC held to a one-all draw with Western United. That was pretty much a top-of-the-table clash in the A-League. Bit of VAR drama as well in that one. Um, Alex Brosk is going to join us a bit later on to talk all things uh, soccer. Um, Newcastle Jets, they upset 10-man Melbourne victory 2-1. And Wellington Phoenix and Adelaide United played out a one-all draw. As I said, uh, we'll chat to Broski a bit later on. Now, uh, bring you up to speed in the English Premier League uh, results this morning. Uh, Manchester United and Southampton played out a one-all draw. A goalless draw between Brentford and uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, Frank Lampard has had his first win in charge of Everton. Uh, they beat Leeds 3-0. Brighton uh, winning away at Watford 2-0. And uh, Man City, um, comfortable win then for them as expected, 4-0 over Norwich. We will take a look also at the uh, the build-up to Super Bowl 56 between the LA Rams and Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which kicks off tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. And, of course, you can hear it play-by-play on SEM with uh, Jared Waitley calling all the action. In the NBL last night, Zillawarra Hawks, uh, too good for Cairns, 87-81. Close match there. Uh, and then uh, Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne beating uh, the Perth Wildcats uh, in another close uh, fought uh, encounter. Uh, today, a couple of uh, games in the NBL. Um, Sydney Kings are in action against the Brisbane Bullets. That's at 3 p.m. tip-off out there at Kudos Bank Arena. Um, if you're heading out there, you might want to give us a call and uh, or, or send us through a text. Should be a good one there for the Kings. And then the other match, uh, the earlier match in the NBL today, South East Melbourne Phoenix uh, they take on Tasmania Jack Jumpers. That one is at uh, 1 p.m. Yeah, Melbourne uh, beating uh, the Wildcats. That score 93 to uh, 87. All righty. Well, that pretty much uh, is a fair bit on the cards, isn't there? How are we going to get through all that in four hours? We'll do our best. Loads of guests just rocking through them again uh, from Rocked Podcast. JJ Rocker, we'll talk to him shortly. Joel Kane's going to join us. Josh Kerr from the Indigenous uh, All-Stars is going to join us as well from the Dragons. Lockie McCurdy to talk Olympics. Alex Brosk to talk soccer. Paul Dennett to talk cricket. Uh, we might get hold of no-looksy Brooksy. He's one of uh, he's one of the younger crew who's out there um, taking in the UFC today. Uh, he loves his UFC and his NBA, so we might try and get hold of Brooksy as well. And from Wide World of Sports, Matt Bungard, um, he's another younger crew uh, member uh, that uh, loves his UFC and, um, and NFL. So plenty of us to get through, as always. Once again, open invitation for you to pick up the phone, be a part of the show. Um, look, we're pretty unscripted here, so... Well, yes, we do. We, we sort of fly by the seat of our pants. But love you to get involved. There's space on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 We're going to talk some UFC shortly, but then we'll be taking your call. So um, you might want to talk UFC. Uh, but once again, isn't it great? Isn't it just wonderful to have Rugby League back on our screens? All right, this is Sports Central with me, Chris Warren. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. Um, that reminds me of that long pause there. I think, Justin, Justin, did you miss a cue there or something? Did you miss a button? Let's just say I was a little bit rusty at that first. Yeah, well, you've been out of the game for a yeah. while, haven't you? Yeah, I haven't I have. seen you for weeks. Yes. Months. Since December, Chris. Good to have you back. 
Thank you very much, Chris. Good to have you back. Yeah, okay. Look, it'll come back. I mean, it's like riding a bike, riding a bike, pushing yeah. those buttons, they, so they tell me. It's um, just like, how do you call it? It's just like, oh, boom. You just why, think- why the long pause? Why the long pause? So that's like a punchline in that joke, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That one where the uh, the polar bear walked into the bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the barman like, said, why the long pause? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what is it? It's 11 past midday in Sydney, uh, and you reckon that's bad? Look, the humour won't get much better. But listen, uh, feel free to be part of the show. You want to send some uh, some jokes through, some uh, dad jokes? You can do that too, 0457 736 736. We're here for, uh, I was going to say, um, a good time, not a long time, but we're actually here for a long time as well as a good time. We're here for four hours, so plenty of time uh, to fill. So if you'd like to be part of the show, feel free uh, to do that. Um, just again, how good was it to see the game back uh, in action last night? I thought it was a, a really good um, a really good event out there at uh, Combank Stadium, Parramatta. They packed the joint out. Twenty, what is it? Twenty six thousand seven hundred and fifty five. That was um, the double header out there. So that was for the the second game, the men's game. I see the women's game though, uh, which the Indigenous Women uh, All Stars won eighteen eight over the Maori women. Um, there was ten thousand in attendance for that one as well. Um, just reading this uh, match report, I I didn't see all of that game. I will be honest. Uh, Michael Karianis in the Telegraph uh, writes that two pieces of brilliance from Tamika Upton uh, was enough to lead the Indigenous uh, side to an 18-8 win against the Maori team in the Women's All-Stars match. Uh, scoreless first quarter, Indigenous team raced in three tries to two. And as I say, a really good crowd there of, of 10,000 people or, or in excess. So uh, well done. Well done to everyone. Hey, listen, if you were out there... Um, yeah, that's what I'm asking. If you were out there at Parramatta Stadium, Combank Stadium rather, uh, let me know. Give me a call um, or drop me a text. It's uh, Watching it at home on telly, it just looked, the atmosphere was brilliant. In awful conditions, it was teeming down. And um, I thought the quality of play for, for a first hit out, first game of the season, it was brilliant. A bit of drop ball as expected. But the tempers, uh, it was a fiery old encounter, wasn't it? Um, as could be expected, given um, given the build-up and the emotion, uh, that that in itself, the pre-game rituals and war dances, I, I it was just it was, it was um, you couldn't I couldn't turn turn away from it. Unmissable, spine tingling stuff. It was so sincere uh, and from the heart. Uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, we had the all-stars of previous years where it was a, a mismatch or a mix-mash of, of sort of overseas ta- talent and the best we had in the NRL playing the Indigenous team. That didn't work. This is the formula. They, they've nailed it now. This is the fourth edition of the Indigenous v. Maori team. Um, and I think it's only going to go from strength to strength. Given there are a lot of big names missing last night. And yeah, I can understand. I can understand coaches wanting to preserve their players ahead of the NRL season. But you know what? I think there's going to be even greater push um, from the representative players to represent their heritage going forward. So when this rolls around next year, I reckon you might see a couple of players who might be tapped on the shoulder by their club coach. And the club coach says, "Uh, we don't want you to play like what I think happened with Joey Manu, um, I just think now, given the growing stature of this event, 
the players might be in more of a position to say, no, coach, sorry, I need to play this game. And it'd be good to see it go to New Zealand too, the next edition. So they've won one apiece, or they had won one apiece, plus last year's draw, and now Maori, uh, they are in front. They are in front. So 16 points to 10, the final score. Cody Nikarima, Isan Masters, and Joe Tarpane, the try scorers for the Maori team. Cody Nikarima and Patrick Herbert uh, with a couple of goals. Jesse Ramian opened uh, the scoring, didn't he? A wonderful passage of play down that uh, the short side, long-range try. David Fafita, what a, what a try, too, to start the season. Um, and uh, so there we have it. 16 points to 10, the final score. If you're out there at Paramount Stadium, at Combank Stadium, get in touch. Love to hear from you. Uh, in fact, we can talk about anything. You can talk about anything here. This is Sports Central. We have got a jam-packed show coming up, so hopefully you can in- enjoy the ride and stay with us for the full four hours. Up next, we're going to talk UFC with JJ Rocker. Gee, that's good stuff. Beautiful. Some of your best. Um, that's the romance music. That's the. That's not the sad violins. Is that, that's supposed to be romance music on the eve of Valentine's Day. Yes. Uh, well, if you want to play more of it, you can. You know what, Justin? We might play over the next four hours a bit of romance music. Yeah, some, some love music for the Cupids out there. You're... You think it's a bit overrated, Valentine's Day, don't you? It's overrated. If I agree. You lo- if you love your partner, don't you say that every day, not on the 14th? Oh, God bless him. Uh, no, don't have one. Wouldn't know. Would not have a clue. Uh, I'll be saving my money uh, for the roses. I'll be putting it elsewhere. Uh, send through any dad jokes you might have too or your thoughts on Valentine's Day. Hey, listen, we will be going around the grounds too, the Victorian Golf Open. It's the final round down there. Um, so we'll keep you across that too with a few score updates um, across the next uh, four hours. Dad jokes. Thank you, Chookman. Uh, Chookman says, the wife asked me if I'd seen the dog bowl. I said, to be honest, I didn't know he played cricket. <laughs> very good. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, very good. Oh, and then there's... So you've got to be a bit punchier with that, Justin. You've got to be punchier. Get those dad jokes coming through. Righto, nothing to laugh about now. And uh, we're going to talk some, well, we're going to talk brutality. Um, if you are a UFC fan, great. If you are not a UFC fan, I can understand why. It is pretty brutal. It is pretty gory. It is pretty bloodthirsty. Um, and yes, no, I would not go anywhere near an octagon to talk all about UFC 271, a big, big, uh, big, big event in Houston today. Joining us from Rocked Podcast, JJ Rocker. Good afternoon. This is Rocked. <laughs> Good afternoon. Thank you for having me on, Chris. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting all things UFC. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And now listen, I mean, just before we get into the nitty gritty, it's got a big, big following, hasn't it? And it's got a growing following. As I said there, it is it is quite gory. It can be quite bloodthirsty. But this, um, how long has it been around for now? Quite a few years, if not a decade or more. It's, it seems to be growing in popularity by the year. Absolutely. So MMA is the fastest growing sport in the world. And I believe the UFC is the fastest growing sporting league in the world also. Um, It's definitely really picking up speed. I know that it's taken a lot away from those fans of boxing. A lot of them are transitioning over to watching MMA. And the way the UFC do it, it's a very professional product. And it's getting away from that cage fighting stigma. But uh, it's definitely on the rise. 
Well, let's get into it then. Um, top of the card, let's talk about the main fight. Israel Adesanya, Rob Whitaker. Uh, Whitaker, the Aussie, they fought a few years ago, didn't they? They don't like each other. That's very, very clear. Um, and Adesanya, he's really risen in the sport. And I think he's now second on, on the money list, the, the latest deal that he's done with UFC. Absolutely. And it's and like I've spoken on, on SEN before, it's about maximising income. These guys are risking their lives every time they step into a boxing ring or an octagon. Um, so it's very well deserved. Adesanya has kind of got it all. He's got a personality. He's got tremendous skills inside the octagon. So every cent he earns in that new contract is uh, certainly well deserved. These two fighters then uh, describe them, the different styles. Adesanya a fair bit taller, a bit more rangy, a bit more reach. Um you think it's going to be a knockout this one or not? Well, I just want to start by saying how proud everyone should be to be in Anzac and watching this card today. You look at the qualities of the Anzac spirit, right? You've got endurance, courage, strong will, good humour. There's a lot of Australian and New Zealand representatives of MMA on this card today, and a lot of them embody those qualities. I'm very excited to see how it plays out. I know at the top of the card, we've obviously got Adesanya and Whitaker going at it again today. I actually don't think it will be... Uh, is one side of the summer predicting mm. it to be. I think it's going to be a, a, a classic. I think this could be a, a Hagler Hearns type of type of fight, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a five round war today. Whitty has improved um, hugely after after that second round knockout to Adesanya back in, in 2019, and we've seen Adesanya go on and de- defend the title as well as um, have an unsuccessful bid to become a two weight world champion, but. He's improved also as well. I think these are the consensus two best middleweights on the planet and we're going to see a very, very high-level uh, MMA bout this afternoon. See, on Whitaker, when they last fought, am I right in saying that he had, had as well over a year, he hadn't fought. Was that right before stepping into the octagon when he, he that first loss, that knockout? Yeah, that, that's correct. I know he did have a, a little bit of time off in between and it's it's one of those things, what they say is time out of the ring is the biggest sin in, in, in combat sport. Um, I know Whitaker's game plan, looking back at, at it now, he, he wasn't, uh, wasn't too happy with it on the night and he pay, paid the ultimate price. I think Whitaker has adapted and we've seen that in his last three performances where he's become a complete mixed martial artist. He mixes his wrestling with his striking as well as his jiu-jitsu and he's, he's pretty good on the ground as well. So you will see a completely different Robert Whitaker to what we saw in 2019 and that's why I, I believe the, the fight will be much better than, uh, than what we saw previously. So a prediction? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Adesanya on points in a close fight. I, I'd say both of them get hurt today as well. Mm, okay. Uh, Jolly Kane's got a multi riding on this too. He needs Adesanya to win by knockout, but he also needs the Rams to cover the line uh, tomorrow. Uh, more on that later. Righto. Uh, t- Taito Avasa uh, against Derek Lewis. This is the heavyweight battle. So not a title fight, is it? But uh, to Avasa, my goodness, he's got a growing reputation and, and growing in popularity, particularly over there in the States. Yes, absolutely. So it's not a title fight, but it will have title implications, I believe, given the, the craziness and a bit of a logjam at the top of that heavyweight division. But Chris, I want to ask you, how familiar are you with the term shoey? Well, I am with Ricardo in Formula One, right? 
Um, yeah. I got that, Shuey, and, and, and I've got to be honest with you, I, I just question the hygiene factor, but he brews his own beer, right? Yeah, uh, Yes, I believe so. Drink West, it's called, and uh, he's nicknamed Shuey Vasa. So it's, it's normally what happens is he goes in there, does his business, knocks out a world-class heavyweight, jumps on the side of a cage, a fan throws him a shoe, he pours a beer in it or Ugh. spits in it before, pours a beer in it and throws it down. Look, it's not, not uh, my style, but... Fans love him for it, so that's why I think he's gaining so much traction. He's a he's a real real personality type to Avasa, and, and boy can he fight. Yeah, so Bam Bam from Mount Druitt, boy can he fight. So it's not a, not even his own bloody shoe. He's drinking out of someone else's manky shoes. Oh, leave me right out of that. He's uh, yeah. he's in good form though. What's he produced four straight stoppage wins? Um, yes, that, that that's correct. So he can't be. He can't really be in better form, righto? With this one, then JJ talking to JJ Rocker from Rocked Podcast. Um, oh, look, someone's going to get knocked out, aren't they? In this one, yeah, you you would assume so. Derek Lewis is actually uh, broke the record in his last fight for the most knockouts in UFC history. Uh, he got back to winning ways in on December eighteenth against uh, Chris Dorcas, and it was a brutal, brutal KO. Both of these boys have sleeping pills in both hands. Um, one of them's going to sleep this afternoon, and uh, I actually believe Taito Avasa will will walk out victorious. So I think there'll be shoeys in Houston. So Bam Bam V, the Black Beast, or is he? He's also known as the KO King, isn't he, Lewis? That's correct. And if you have a look at, all you have to do is jump on YouTube and type in Derek Lewis, and mm. you'll see some of the most brutal KOs in MMA history. He's he's got this odd power where it doesn't even look like it's a huge shot, and people are just falling asleep left, right, and center. Yeah, uh, warning too, warning to those YouTube uh, graphic scenes and uh, don't try this at home. Righto, some other Aussies on the card too, JJ. Uh, Casey O'Neill, so she takes on Roxanne uh, Modafferi, I think is how you say. She's the veteran Modafferi. I think this is her last fight. Uh, By contrast, though, O'Neill is just eight fights into her pro career. That's correct. This is the classic uh, veteran takes on the young lion. And, and Casey O'Neill, born in Scotland, came over to uh, Australia when she was 10 years old, fell in love with combat sports in general. She's in the UFC. She's had three wins, coming off a performance of, of the night. Uh, Roxanne Monteferi, 39 years old, a real pioneer of, of women's MMA, has been in the game for the longest time. Time. This is fight number 46 for her. I think Casey O'Neill will get her probably first big, big scalp today, and she'll she'll push pretty high in the rankings. She has uh, the makings of a world champion for sure. Yeah, it's a nice story, and and some of the undercard it's 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 well underway. So I'm not quite sure. The other Aussie I want to talk to you about, Jacob um, namesake, is Jacob Malcoon. Um, JJ Jacob Malcoon. Now, he's also, he trains with Robert Whittaker, am I right? He takes on AJ Dobson. He does. He's actually taken on AJ Dobson, and he actually beat him. He won uh, a a three-round decision win. So, Team Whittaker uh, on the board for for today, and there'd be good vibes in in that change room for sure. Uh, Just back on on Tuavasa as well, am I right? He's also um, out of the... um, the stable, if you like, being managed by the boys from No Limit. They're uh, they're growing themselves, aren't they? No, no limit. 
They certainly are. And the best part about that is uh, they're good people as well. So Maddie, Trent and George are all over in Houston at the moment um, supporting their boy Tai Tuavasa. So shout out to the team at, at No Limit and Tai. Uh, they're doing big things and they're doing things properly. It's a, it's a testament to what Australia can produce in terms of talent and shows when you're talking about No Limit. And JJ, finally, mate, uh, um, the reigning, um, the Aussie, another Aussie, uh, reigning featherweight world champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Where are we at with him? So Alexander Volkanovsky will be back in the octagon April 10. He was he was meant to fight Max Holloway, which he has fought on two occasions before. Um, he's fighting Chang Sung Jun, known as Korean Zombie. So his name suggests exactly how he fights. He's a come-forward striker. He's a, a bit of a veteran as well. So they'll throw it down for the UFC featherweight title uh, April 10, UFC 273, that is. So we'll see Volk, Volk in the octagon uh, shortly. All right, JJ, I appreciate you jumping on the line. I know you want to go and watch it, so um, go and do that. But uh, thanks for joining us, mate, um, on Sports Central. My pleasure. All, always great to be on. There he is. This is rocked. That bloody scares me, that sting. Um, rocked, by the way, uh, rocked around 20 drops uh, Wednesday. So you've got JJ Rocker and Mark Warren. Um, Dara Foley, special guest on there as well. So JJ Rocker, proudly brought to you, by the way, by John Rocker's Sydney City Toyota and Sydney City Lexus Glebe and Waterloo. So our thanks to them and thanks to JJ. Stay with us. Sports Central up next. I'm going to be talking to Joel Sugarcane. Yes, you are. Quickly around the grounds too, the Victorian Golf Open. Victorian Golf Open at Barwon Heads. Uh, John Lyris, he holds a one-stroke lead. They're the final round. Um, he's 16 under par. And uh, in the women's event, uh, Hannah Green from Perth. She's 12 under. Comfortable lead for her. Um, she's ahead by five. So five-shot lead there to Hannah Green. That's the Victorian Golf Open being played at Barwon Heads. <laughs> Alrighty, time now to talk more rugby league. And gee, as I said earlier, isn't it great to have the game back? Um, it's been a, I guess, a long off season, uh, but back in full force. And and what an exhibition it was last night, and so much more than an exhibition. Uh, the All Stars match, the the Maori uh, winning sixteen points to ten against the Indigenous boys. But uh, I think both sides can walk away holding their heads really, really high, uh, and a great crowd in attendance all around in terms of an event. From me as a spectator and, I guess, you know, working in the media, it's a 10 out of 10. Joining us now is a man, uh, well, one of the voices of uh, NRL Nation uh, here on SEN. He called all the action play-by-play last night, did an outstanding job as well, Joel Sugar Kane. Mate, good event to start the season, huh? Oh, Chris, how outstanding. I mean, just the, the lead-up to it. The, the women's game was spectacular as well. And just before we get into the men's game, I'm going to talk about the women's game. I said with Jaleesa and Jimmy mm. and... Remember when Ronda Rousey, Chris, burst onto the scene and everyone was like, wow, Ronda Rousey. And then within about five years, there was a thousand Ronda Rouseys. And, and the evolution of the women, this game in 10 years has come so far. Um, with so many young girls out there playing, it was a terrific game. Young Chapman, the winger, she won the medal for the player of the match. But uh, that, that set the scene up. Then you had the, the war dances. It was just such a special night. And, mm. and more than anything, it was great to go to a ground and to have a crowd. Yeah, it was. You dropped out there for a little bit, mate. You're talking about Ronda Rousey and a huge day, actually, um, as we're speaking in the UFC, talking about that. And we'll talk 
more UFC a bit later. Are you a UFC fan, by the way? Or is it a bit, uh, a bit gory no. for you? Yeah, no, a bit gory for me. A bit gory for me. But um, uh, I'm just dodging the basketballers out here, mate. Sorry. They're um, <laughs> out here. They love the UFC. No, I, I will say this about the UFC um, before we get into that. We had a little cheeky team multi on uh, on Friday with uh, Stevie O'Keefe, myself, Gibbo, Brooksy. I did hear and, that. And, yeah, and mate, you wouldn't believe it. So we had top run scorer, uh, which was Ben McDermott, on the Friday, yeah. all up the Maoris, who were big outsiders. Yeah. Uh, 66 to 1. So we need Adesanya to win today by knockout. And then we're coming home with the Rams to cover the line tomorrow. Wow. What's the line for, yeah. is it? Four, yeah. Just it's looking good. Looking very, very good. Hey, you can pick them. You can, I guess that's why you, you're in the betting industry too, Joel. <laughs> but so back on the game, yeah, and, and in terms of um, yeah, any any critics of the Indigenous All-Stars match, and I don't think there are any, but I, I think now it, it really is entrenched. So this is the fourth edition of the, the Maori versus the Indigenous, and I think now it's really entrenched and can only get, only get stronger. Would you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I think they've, they've nailed it now. And, and like anything in life, you, you try things and then you continually tinker to get it to exactly where you need it to be. But they they started the concept with the Indigenous boys taking on the All-Stars, you know, the All-Stars in the National Rugby League. And you'd have mm. people from England, James Graham and Cameron Smith and the like. But, you know, there was no real um, passion. affinity to that particular team. Or passion, yeah, mm. this is it. This is, this is the one. I mean, and it just makes you start to think about the more we see you know, the teams like Samoa take on Tonga, the better. It was just, it was fierce. It was, you know, confrontational, but it was also highly respectful. Like, mm. you know, there was a couple of things that caught my eye, Chris, and um, before it, you know, they both had their war tribal dances and then they meet and then the hugs come out immediately after that. It was so stirring, you know, the hairs were standing up on your arm. Mm. And then at the conclusion of the game, I thought this was so classy where Josh Adokar, goes up. He's, he's the, the captain of the losing team. He goes up there with the didgeridoo. He presents that to Joe Tarpany, who was the, the player of the match, and also uh, Cody Nicarima. But but not only does he do that, he, he's very aware of the situation and the culture. He, he gives them the honging. The honging is uh, when you see the foreheads come together. Yes. And, that, that, and for him to give the didgeridoo with the honging, I thought, by gee, that's, uh, it was very symbolic and I mm. thought it was super, super classy. No, I agree, and I was watching the, the, the pre-game rituals, and, and I said there it was spine-tingling stuff, you know, it really was, it was sincere, and a lot of work too would have gone into that um, in terms of preparing those tribal dances in the lead-up, but uh, it's all about passion. Uh, you're right, and a really good crowd too. They they loved it out there. I can only imagine the atmosphere was pretty electric. Oh, it was outstanding. Uh, 26,000 or nearly 27,000 people were Beautiful. there, and... and, and Factoring in the, you know, Chris, there was a lot of rain around in Sydney uh, leading up to that game. So you sort of thought, oh, no, are they going to sort of stay home? Is it more comfortable? But no, they came out. Mm. And uh, it was just, you know what? It was just a perfect way to start the season proper, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's the challenge out to the cricketers then, the cricketing fans, um, the SCG tonight. So let's see if you can top that 27,000. <laughs> let's see if you can get <laughs> half. Luck. If they get half that, that'll be doing okay. Um, a few storylines out of the match then. You, you've touched on Joe Tarpanay, so Ricky Ricky will be happy. A really good performance um, from him. A rewind, I don't know if it was last year, I think it was the year before last when Joe Tarpanay was just braining them at the back end of the season. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a quality player. But on the other side of the coin, there's going to be a question mark over um, 
whether or not Jordan Rapiner, um gets wiped out. Couple of shoulder charges, spent 10 in the bin. What did you think? Probably the second one was worse, wasn't it? Yeah, look, look, to be... I mean, this is another topic, but on the shoulder charge, when... when I, I don't think you do much harm with the shoulder charge in the manner in which he was doing it. In other words, mm. you're both sort of almost heading towards the try line. That, to me, is not a major thing. But it, one of the shoulder charges absolutely saved, you know, saved the try, and it was the only way he was going to stop him with the shoulder charge. He did do two of them, so he's, he's got to be a big risk of missing round one, which it makes it really hard because you start having players miss the games like that, um, then the clubs all of a sudden get a bit mm. cagey as to whether they want their players playing in these games. So it, yeah. it's a little bit hard. Um, Tarpity was brilliant. We had him on the show last week, um, and we're talking to him about James Fisher-Harris, and I actually said to Fletcher in the break, I said, you know, if you're swimming around that James Fisher-Harris, who's just mm. an absolute star, if Joe Tarpity can get something off being around him, because Joe Tarpity, he's got all the attributes to go as far as he wants, um, and, and as it turns out, he has a blinder, scores a try, and gets the uh, Preston Campbell medal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it, on on Rapiner, no, that was the first one. Was the the, the nastier one? Wasn't it? on David Fafita, I think that was. Yes. And what about what about that? The opening try of the year, not bad, hey? Fafita, the the human wrecking ball. Yeah, and if you had um, Nico Hines' first try scorer, you're on the floor because mm. he was in support and he was a dollar one to score that try, and then. Jesse Ramian, Ramian, by the way, I've never looked so fit. He flew up the inside. And you know what? Just just on seeing Jesse Ramian, seeing Nico Hines, seeing Britton Nakora and, and the shape they're in, you clearly know the Sharks have had a big off-season. And you, mm. and you clearly already know that, you know, all ships rise with the tide. Panukin, McGuinness, you know, what Fitzgibbon's done, you know, in concert with uh, Trent Robinson at the Roosters. For me, I left last night. They had seven players playing that match. And I left last night pretty much certain they're going to be playing finals football this year. I think, well, you can never be certain of anything in, in this game. But, yeah, I think it would be a fair bet to, to have the Sharkies in the top eight. So what did they have? Six or seven players um, in action yeah. there last night, including, well, what, three three quarters of the spine in the Indigenous team? Yeah, they had seven. They had seven. I, I hadn't mentioned uh, Braden Trindle or Kennedy. I tell you what, Braden Trindle was good because mm. he goes into that game where the coach Laurie Daly had backed him, where he, you know, put him in front of Kelly, who, who's had a lot more experience, Albert Kelly. But he said, no, no, Trindle's our man, and I thought he took the reins. I, I thought he really owned that team last night, and, and even to the point where they had to, you know, share the load. No doubt there was a directive from the coaches that you know no one's playing eighty minutes. We need to sort of uh, share the load here. It's the first game of the year, but what? The game was in the balance with 16 points to 10, and Nico Hines had missed a couple of kicks, and immediately Laurie Daly was very smart. He thought, you know what, if we're going to score here, which they didn't, but if they are going to score, we need to kick this goal. So immediately he got Braden Trindle back out there. He was the Pied Piper. He was great. Kennedy was great. Mm. It didn't go the result of the Indigenous side, where most of the Sharkies were playing in that team. Five of them were in the Indigenous team. Two were in the, the Maldi side, but... Um, yeah, no, they're, uh, if you're a supporter of the, um, the sky blue, black and white, you're in for a good year, I think. I tell you what I was impressed with, the, the standard of play. Yeah, a bit of drop ball, but the defence was just really, really strong. But given the, the conditions, and it was, it was, I was going to swear then, it was tipping it down, wasn't it, out there at Parramatta? You know, there's an old saying, Jolly, when, when you were sort of playing, um, you know, <laughs> don't, don't, don't try and play September football in February, you know, early early rounds in the yeah. season. Gee, things have changed. I mean... 
they just, you know, straight back into it. The, the, the structure was good. The skill level good. Uh, it doesn't take these guys long to get back in the groove. No, no, no. no. I'll tell you what I thought was, um, who was, he looked a bit underdone, you know, and, and maybe he's had all these brutal off-seasons under Bellaby. Maybe he's sort of had an easier off-season this time around. I don't know. But I thought the Fox, he looked, uh, and I don't know whether he copped the knock early in the game or not, but I thought he was sort of quiet for the Fox ish, term. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, quiet-ish. Quiet-ish. Didn't, opportunities didn't really present themselves. And the other thing too, you know, um, and, and Fox was taking on a fair bit of that responsibility as one of the senior leaders there. I was wondering, how much does all that pre-match stuff, how much sort of energy does that sap? You know what I mean? Because a lot... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, well, look, he'll warm into it, I'm sure. Hey, one other storyline and, and a good storyline, and it just surprises me, Andrew Fafita. I mean, what was it, almost 200 days since he's last played, there were fears he wouldn't play again. Um, it was it was in the thick of everything. Yeah, we had a few people sort of on the on the on the text line being a bit critical, but I'm like, mm. you know, this bloke's had a long time out, and his style of play it makes him. It looks like he's not sort of doing a lot the way he runs yeah. and things. But when you look at the actual numbers, he is, you know, and he's a bloody handful to tackle. So I think he'd be very relieved that he got through the game. He got through a lot of minutes. He was on and off a few times. He copped ten in the bin, but. Um, yeah, I mean, good on him, you know, things like that. And the main thing is, uh, to my knowledge anyway, we had no major injuries last night, so uh, that was the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sugar, mate, it's your day off, I think, so I appreciate you you giving up a bit of time. Uh, where are you? Out at the basketball courts, are you? Oh, they, no, we're just out the front here. We've got, had a bit of a sleepover. We've got a lot of the boys go out there last night who had a ball. Yeah. Um, and speaking of an injury, one of them just ran up ran up me now for a cuddle. He's copped the whack, but he'll be right. Six to go play on. We'll send him to the head bin for a bit, and uh, he'll be right <laughs> to get back on. Um, yeah, you know, the other thing too, Chris, I, I wanted to make mention of, yeah. the... Um, I think we've quickly seen how effective that rule change is. So we actually didn't see too many penalties inside the 40, which they can now do. But it was a really good, free-flowing game. No one was lying all over the ruck at the start. It, it made for a really good exhibition, I thought. Mm. Yeah, no, just thinking back to it, it, it did flow well. I was just look, looking at some of the um, the women's Indigenous uh, team against the Maori now. Um, that talent level's just rising year on year, isn't it? Oh. And, and, mate, your um, couple of your bros are over at the Super Bowl, hey? So I tell you what, you've yes. got two legs up to get in your multi. So you need Adesanya to win by knockout this afternoon at yes. UFC. And then yep. you need um, the Rams to cover the four-point line against the Bengals. That's it. Oh. Yeah, and a lot of the punters 66 to 1. 66 to 1, if you don't mind. What um, do we throw on it? Oh. Uh, well, I've had a lazy tenor on it, but I don't know what it, the, the, uh, the listeners have done, but I'm getting a lot of text messages about it. Just on the brothers over at the Super Bowl, one of my brothers has been off the source yeah. for four and a half years, Jeez. and he took himself to Vegas, and he was loving it. And to his credit, he's staying off the source, but he said, mm-hmm. I've just arrived in um, uh, Vegas. I've been off the source for four and a half years. I think I'm, I got here four and a half years late. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but good on him. Uh, it's going to be going to be thrilling. Can't can't wait to God. watch it all and go you Rams. Yeah, good luck to him. That'd be like throwing a, a kid into a candy store. Oh. All right, I once oh. gave up biscuits for Lent um, yeah. when, when I was a teenager, early teens, I think it was, and um, I went four years myself without a biscuit. There you go, because I was uh, oh, good boy. Yeah, good boy. I was a bit podgy. All right, Jolly. How'd you fall off the wagon? Hey. 
<laughs> with the biscuits. Oh, I reckon yeah. the shapes got me. The cheese cheddar shapes got me oh. somewhere camping or something like that. Yeah. And I made up, sure. made up for it since. Mate, enjoy the rest of your day, Joel. I appreciate you giving up your time. Good on, Chris. Uh, chat soon, buddy. See you, mate. Thanks, buddy. There he is, uh, Joel Kane. You can catch him uh, weekdays, uh, drive home. Um, or the home run now. The run home. It's changed its name. Get up with the speed. Uh, all right, stay with us. Keep those text messages coming through. 0457 736 736. This is Sports Central. And great to have your company too. Chris Warren with you right up until four o'clock uh, this afternoon. Uh, we'll be uh, talking some football this hour as well. So uh, A-League and uh, EPL, Alex Brosk will uh, be joining us. And we'll be talking Winter Olympics, uh, the most successful Winter Olympics campaign ever for Australia with four medals now. Um, so we'll be talking to Lockie McCurdy um, shortly, actually from Code Sports. Stick around for that. Keep those text messages coming through. Uh, let me know where you're tuning in. Great to have Rugby League back, isn't it? Last night, I thought it was a really good event. And uh, if you're out there at uh, Combank Stadium in the, the teeming rain, uh, how was the event for you? Uh, it looked electric, the atmosphere. Time now to talk a bit of golf. Um, the Victorian Golf Open is uh, well underway. We're into the final round today, both the men's and the, uh, the ladies' event as well. Um, so let's cross down there. Uh, Martin is on the line. Good afternoon, Martin. How are you, mate? Hello, Chris. I'm very good. Beautiful day out here at 13th Beach. Bit of a stiff northerly breeze, testing the players. And a couple of Sydney guys uh, jumping up to the top in the men's as well. So where are we? Who's got the uh, the lead now? Is that, has that changed in the, uh, the last hour or so? So John Lyris, who comes out of St Michael's Golf Club uh, in Sydney, had the had a one-shot lead going into the final round. He straight away dropped a shot, which meant that Dimi Papadatos, who's also from Sydney, uh, and Matthew Griffin uh, from Victoria, who's a, they're both past winners of this event, they've jumped up to 16-under to join John Lyris. So we've got three on 16-under and another couple at 15-under in Aaron Pike, and also uh, Ben Campbell from New Zealand. So the men's event is looking like a real blanket finish. On the other hand, the women's event is a, it looks like it'll be a Hannah Green benefit. She's the, clearly the best player in the field, and she started the day five ahead, and she made a par at the first hole. So she's clinging on to that five-shot lead. Unless she does something really wrong, she's going to be the Vic Open champion for 2022. Yeah, she's one to watch, isn't she? Martin uh, Martin Blake, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. We'll, we'll cross um, every hour or so, if you don't mind. Give us a quick update uh, on what's happening at the Victorian Golf Open. No problem, Chris. Great stuff. There is Martin Blake from um, Golf Australia, Victorian Open. So we'll be uh, across that. Do you play golf, Justin, or not? I would love to play a round of um, golf, but, yeah, none of my family will be keen or you don't, interested. Well, forget the family, mates. You could go out there if you... If you you're a bit like Cowboy Dan hasn't done a, a whole lot of sports. What, what What's your go-to sport? Soccer? Soccer and basketball, Chris. Or oh, basketball? Yes. Okay, basketball. I thought you'd be, you know, you, you, you shoot the hoops a fair bit? Or? Yeah, I'm not one of those guys that you give me the ball in the last five or ten seconds and shoot to win. No, you're just steady. Yes, steady. Steady sort of player. All righty. Okay. Yeah, well, look, I play a bit of golf and maybe I shouldn't play golf. There's probably a lot of us say the same thing. Some would say it's a, a good walk spoilt. <laughs> but uh, no, I do enjoy it. If I can you know, if I can shoot a couple of holes on par, well, that's enough to, to bring me back. So the Victorian Golf Open will keep you across that throughout the 
uh, afternoon. Feel free to get involved uh, with us if you want to have a chat. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Uh, there is a bit of space on the open line right now if you do want to have your say. Um, and again, if you're out there at Parramatta Stadium and Combank Stadium last night, um, drop me a text or, or give me a call. How was it? I think this event's going to only grow in stature. That was um, instalment four of the uh, the Maori and Indigenous All-Stars uh, match. And I thought it was a really, really good event. The pre-match stuff was just brilliant too. Uh, cricket tonight. The Aussies take a 1-0 lead into that five-match uh, uh, T20 series um, with against Sri Lanka. So um, you might have some thoughts on that. And plenty of dough doing the rounds at the IPL auction. Um, millions and millions of dollars being spent, but a few of our big guns, uh, they've had their paychecks halved uh, pretty much. Mind you, still uh, a happy payday for a couple of them. Pat Cummins, uh, he sold to Kolkata Knight Riders for $1.34 million. Um, in 2020, though, he earned $3.1 million. David Warner has picked up, uh, been picked up by the Delhi Capitals for uh, $1.15 million, and that is nearly half his previous salary. My goodness, they earn some coin, these cricketers, don't they? They really do. Um, which then you say, well, Mitchell Stark, I mean, the money that's being thrown around, he's opted again not to go. Uh, foregoing a huge payday for him. So you, well done, Mitchell Stark. I mean, turning on, so money's not everything. Money's not, it doesn't, does money buy you happiness? Not really, Chris. Not oh, really. It's got to help. Got to yeah. help, haven't it? You have, yeah, if you we, have no financial stress, you'd be a nicer person to be hanging around, I would have thought. I would say I'll be, definitely be more relaxed. Yes, I reckon I would be too. Um, let me see. So $100 million at the IPL auction. And there's another round. The second round is, is today. Uh, so Pat Cummins and David Warner, they both, uh, well, cop seven-figure pay cuts, but still very good coin uh, for them. Steve Smith and Matthew Wade were among a heap of uh, big-name players overlooked in the first round of bids where... No teams were willing to uh, match their $370,000 reserve price. Tob Ballum uh, from the Daily Telegraph's writing an article on here. Um, not even fellow West Australian Tom Moody, the coach of Sunrise's Hyderabad, could uh, prompt um, Marsh into the top of the IPL payroll with his team pulling out of the bidding late in the auction. Um, it goes on. So we'll wait and see. But as I said, in, in, when I opened the show, the poor old auctioneer, um, he really, really struggled. He had to take a 90-minute break. Uh, the uh, British auctioneer, and uh, he's well-known, apparently, a veteran auctioneer, uh, Hugh Edmeads, his name is, he collapsed off the stage as bidding past $2 million uh, for one of, of the cricketers. Television cameras captured the shock and harrowing moments immediately after the incident with reports later emerged that he'd suffered, um, what is it? Postural hypertension and uh, would make a full recovery. So that's the good news. But the poor old auctioneer, he's, he's fallen off, uh, off his perch up there. So, um, all the best to him, all the best to him, but it's, um, a lot, a lot of money going around in the IPL and, uh, it, it is jaw dropping. Some of the figures, being thrown around, but you know what? You can't.
begrudge them if they can earn that sort of dough. Well, um, good luck to them. Good luck to them if they can. Now, NRL. So it was back last night. Um, well, not the NRL, but the All-Stars match was. And uh, now it's pretty much full steam ahead, isn't it? Full steam ahead. Um, we've got the trials coming up next weekend now. And before you know it, boom, round one of the NRL will be up and running. I see that Nathan Cleary is uh, expected to be uh, to be back for round one. Uh, for Penrith Panthers, I thought he was going to miss the start of the season, but he's um, well ahead of schedule. So that's uh, an amazing recovery from Nathan Cleary, who um, underwent you know, shoulder surgery, didn't he? So if he's back for round one for the Penny Panthers, that is uh, really good news. I won't go through all the clubs and who is expected back and who is expected to line up. Uh, for their trials, but I, I will go through the trials uh, for you. The trial dates are a little bit um, later on, but um, on Friday, February 18, you got the Roosters v Raiders. That's a six o'clock kickoff there at Leichhardt Oval, and then the West Tigers take on Manly. It's a double header there. That's a good idea too. Four clubs in action at Leichhardt. Um, hopefully the weather is okay. On Manly too, I see. Um, and that uh, Brookie Oval, it's having a, a real facelift, isn't it? That southern stand is taking shape. It's going to house um, the centre of excellence there at Brookvale for Four Pines Park, as it is currently known. Uh, Steve Beaver Menzies and Cliffy Lyons, um, they will have their names permanently etched at Four Pines Park. Now, Beaver's already had the grandstand named after him, but they've brought Cliffy in as well now, I see. Today, Brent Reed has written an article here. Um, so now, now you'll have Cliffy Lyons, Steve Menzies, uh, Bobby Fulton, uh, all will be honoured there, and Arco Ken Arthurson as well. So that's a southern stand. So that was the um, the Fulton Menzies stand. It is now going to be renamed, renamed. So that will now be um, the Lions Menzies stand, and then Bob Bobby Fulton. Uh, the late great Bozo, he'll have um, the new Northern Stand uh, named after him. Um, so that that's good to see too, isn't it? Uh, Cliffy's played more games than any other Manly player. I think I'm right in saying. Um, and Beaver already part of the furniture there at Four Pines Park. So the uh, Fulton Menzies Stand um, will now be renamed there, Menzies Lions Stand, and and Bozo will have his own. Uh, own stand named after him, uh, which is is really f- uh, fitting there, and, and Kenny Arthurson too. So um, there you have it. Plenty of uh, news around today. Also, uh, rugby league wise, I see uh, an article in uh, the Telegraph too um, today that Cronulla Sharks, uh, written by uh, Buzz Rothfield, Cronulla Sharks uh, will ban unvaccinated fans from their trial match against uh, Canterbury Bulldogs on February 28 at Shark Park. Uh, The Sharks have made this decision as the only NRL club that owns its uh, home ground. Um, And Buzz goes on to say, lucky all Bulldogs and Sharks players and officials are fully vaccinated. He says, can you imagine the drama if it was uh, Cowboys Jason Talmalolo um, or the Raiders Joe Tarpanay? Um... So there you go. If you're not vaxxed, you won't be coming into that uh, that trial match um, between uh, the Cronulla Sharks and the Bulldogs at Shark Park on February um, 
28. So you might have your thoughts on some of that. Again, I'd love to have your thoughts on the uh, Indigenous and Maori All-Stars game last night. I thought it was a really, really good exhibition. And, and to those that braved all the conditions out there, um, well done. Well done to you indeed. We're going to take uh, talk some Winter Olympics uh, next. Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports uh, will be joining us uh, to wrap up what has already been the most successful Winter Olympics campaign ever uh, for Australians with four medals now and our very first medal in a sliding event. Quite remarkable. Quite remarkable indeed. So stick around, get involved with the show. You got some dad jokes, so send them through to me as well. 0457 736 736. This is Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Central. Great to have your company. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. If you'd like to uh, dial in, you can have a chat to us. We're going to talk to uh, Winter Olympics right now for the next, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And Jackie Narricott, um, just been on the phone to her, her, her agent. Uh, she is going to join us in about 15 minutes. Jackie Narricott. So she's basically taken us... Um, into the record books. She won silver in the, the women's skeleton last night. So uh, we now can say it's the most successful Winter Olympics ever for Australia. Joining us now from Code Sports is Lockie McCurdy. Lockie, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Well, what a, what a performance, eh? And, uh, well, an historic, an historic day uh, for, for Australia in, at the Winter Olympics. It really was. Well, it was a late night for anyone here in Australia who decided to stay up and watch Jackie, but it was well worth it. I mean, just about gone 2am, it passed over here in Sydney as she crossed the line. She was in first, but it it looked like it wasn't quite going to be enough to grab that gold medal. And in the end, that's what it turned out to be. But it was just remarkable. She came into the final day after her first two runs, leading the competition. She broke her track record with her first run in run three uh, yesterday and looked odds on for the gold medal. But suddenly her German competitor then broke the track record again. But it was some phenomenal racing from Jackie, who, has, who hasn't who has always been considered uh, a medal chance for Australia. But over the last sort of six to 12 months, she's really built up some strong performances over in the World Cup Tour. And I think speaking to uh, some of the Australian Olympic team uh, executives heading into these games, they were quietly optimistic about her chances and she's well and truly delivered by winning Australia's first ever Winter Olympic sliding medal. Wow, just incredible. And I think it's probably one of the scariest sports. Um, or oh. May- oh, I don't know. Or maybe the ski jumping. I, I don't know. Uh, she's going to join us. We're going to have a chat to Jackie in about 15 minutes, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, not many mm. of us will know Jackie Narricott. Now she'll become a household name. Uh, tell us more about Jackie from Brisbane, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a Queensland girl who's ended up in the world of ice and ice tube and in skeleton. It's, I know there were some comparisons being drawn to the old Cool Runnings movie, and I guess in a way you can look at that because you wouldn't look at someone growing up in Queensland as getting into skeleton, but that that's how it's turned out. And she's got obviously uh, quite a, a good pedigree within her family of Olympians. Her uh, uncle, Paul Narricott, became the first, I believe, Australian to compete at both a summer and a winter Olympics. So obviously being athletic and being an athlete runs in that family's blood. And Mm. he was on the seven coverage last night. They had a camera in his living room and he was obviously very emotional at the moment, but 
yeah, Jackie, she's 31. She's been going for a while on the on the sort of world circuit and has slowly built up performance after performances and just has peaked at absolute the right time here in Beijing. Like most, well, I don't know. You tell me. You, you're across it more than I am. But I imagine <laughs> a, a lot of these sliders, um, they probably come from an athletics background, right? Yeah, they do. So we've obviously seen in the past, obviously more on the bobsleigh side of things, mm. but we obviously saw Jana Pittman have a go at bobsleigh and um, we see a lot of people from that running yeah. and sprinting background transition into it because while that part going down sort of 120 kilometres is scary, the start is so important. So if you've got that ability to be able to get that sprint going and from a standing start, I know my hamstrings were hurting watching it last night, but yeah, if you can get that sprint start going, it's a huge advantage. And it's it's probably not where Jackie's the strongest. Her ability is building up speed as she gets down the course. But yeah, it's a huge part of it and why we see so many sort of athletics athletes uh, transition over for the winter side. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to, to having a chat to Jackie mm. shortly. So I'm sure our li- uh, listeners, by the way, if you've got something you'd like me to ask Jackie when she jumps on the line in about, I don't know, 10 minutes time, send the, send the question through 0457 736 736. Uh, my first question to her, well, will be, I mean, how did you get into it? Where, where does this sort of thing come from? Because it, it's a little bit odd and the event itself is scary, uh, called Skeleton. So, um, you know, it probably doesn't attract too many of us. Now, um, bit of drama in the mix, snowboard cross. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't the, the best day yesterday during the day for our Aussie snowboarders. Uh, it was good news early in the, or late the day before where it was confirmed that we'd have two Australian mixed teams in the snowboard cross. So that was our Bell Brockhoff, Cam Bolton, as Australia one, and then Josie Bath and Adam Lambert as Australia two. But... And then, unfortunately, they were drawn in the same quarterfinal. So in a, in a race of four, it meant only the top two would go through. And, unfortunately, both the Aussies DNF'd. Uh, both Josie and Bell crashed on the second run. Um, they kind of... The, the conditions weren't great for Snowball Cross, particularly the, the girls where um, they just... When you've got someone out in the lead, that's often the worst place to be because when mm. you're behind that person with that fresh layer of snow you're actually going quicker because they cleared that snow in front of you. And it means it's just so dangerous when you get close. And what we saw with the two Aussie girls, they both landed on uh, Jackie Bellis's board at some point and kind of just fell over. And obviously there was a huge concern with Bell. Um, she had reported some neck pains and they took every precaution with her, took her off to get some scans. And thankfully they all came back clear and she was able to go back to the athletes village. But yeah, I think, the Australians were world champs in that event. Obviously, Bell um, and Jared Hughes, who wasn't picked to compete yesterday, but they won the event before at the world champs. And this is the first time we've seen it at the Games, and it wasn't how either of the Aussie teams would have wanted it to end. Mm, but she's okay, Bell, so that's that's good mm. news. Um, okay, so if you are just joining us, Chris Warren talking to uh, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. And our latest medalist, silver medalist uh, Jacqueline Narricott, will join us. Uh, will join us shortly for a quick chat from uh, her, after her amazing silver medal at the Winter Olympics. So, as I said earlier, it's it's our most successful campaign ever now, uh, thanks to Jackie and the others as mm-hmm. well. We've still got a week to go, though, Lockie. So, have we got any other realistic medal contenders? I think there's definitely one really strong gold medal chance, and that's Laura Peel in the women's aerial. She's the world number one, won multiple World Cup events, and 
is odds-on favourite to take out this event. And if all going well, it should be similar to sort of Jakara Anthony's performance in terms of if she can get down her best each run, that the gold medal could be hers. But again, as we know, Winter Olympics, anything can happen. Danielle Scott is also competing in the women's aerials, and she's someone who should be looked out for as well. And we've also got Gabby Ash, who's the third in that event. So there's every chance we get three in that final 12. And their qualification will be tonight. So, yeah, a good chance of getting at least one more medal there. The other one that a lot of people were thinking about was uh, Brie Walker, bobsled Brie. She started mm. in the, the women's monobob today and hasn't got off to the best start. She's in 10th place after the first run, but kind of like Jackie Narricott, they get four runs. So, yeah, Brie's in 10th place, a bit over a second behind the leader. Um, so it'll be tough to make up, but... She's produced some great performances over the last sort of 12, 24 months. So she's definitely someone to look out for. And then the, the last one I'd be looking out for is Tess Cody, our bronze medalist from the, the women's snowboard slope style. She's yep. also competing in the snowboard at Big Air. And look, anyone who's won a medal already, that's got to give you confidence going into the next event. So looking forward to seeing how she goes. Awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us, Matt. I know you love your cricket as well. Um, any news, playing news surrounding tonight's second T20? I haven't, I haven't had a look, actually, team sheet-wise. I don't think there's any changes going to be made. No, I doubt they'll be making any changes. It'll be very interesting to see if Australia can get an early lead in the series, like a 3-0 sort of thing, whether they change the two Melbourne tests. But I envisage Ben McDermott getting a, a good prolonged run up the top of the order mm. uh, while uh, David Warner isn't in the side. Um, and, of course, there's a few players nervously waiting on the IPL option tonight as well. So a, a good performance in this game could kind of help bump their price a little bit. Well, yeah, I see they've um, they've, they've, they've cut back a few of the, the, big, uh, the, the prices of some of our big-name mm. players. I'm reading more about that, so we'll chat more about that a little bit later on. We're devoting this segment, though, to the Winter Olympics, Lockie. So thanks very much for joining us, mate. I appreciate your time. Anytime, Chris. Enjoy chatting to Jackie. Will do. There he is, uh, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. We're going to take a break, um, and when we return, hopefully all things being well, we will have Jackie Narricott, our latest uh, Winter Olympics medal winner, on the line. This is Sports Central. Yes, indeed you are. Chris Warren with you. Good afternoon and welcome. If you're just tuning into to the show, uh, 0457 736 736 is the text line if you'd like to get involved. If you'd like to have a chat, you can. 1300 01 1170 is the open line number. We are just trying to, um, we're trying to tee up an interview with um, Jackie, uh, our latest medalist, a silver um, medalist. So looking forward to having a chat to her and hopefully she'll be on the line very, very shortly. But just uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful last night um, from her and uh, Silver. So that is the best, uh, Jackie Narricott, that is the best we've we've ever done at the Winter Olympics with four medals now. Uh, her silver medal and it's the first ever in, in a sliding event. Uh, quite remarkable indeed. So hopefully we'll be able to get Jackie on the line um, very, very shortly to do that. Keep those text messages coming through. And Chookman has said, uh, Chris, can you ask Jackie 
Has she had any broken bones from training, etc.? Well, Chuck, man, um, given the event is called is called skeleton. I reckon I reckon she probably has, but I'll I'll ask her uh, very very shortly when she does join us on the line. She is there now. Hey, Jackie, thanks very much for joining us, and on behalf of of Australia, uh, well done. You must you must just feel so so proud of your efforts. Thanks. Yeah, I am absolutely stoked. I haven't stopped smiling since. I bet you haven't. You were saying um, before you, your final sort of slide there, or after your, your final slide, um, you'd never felt more relaxed. Just just take us through that, because after after day one, your first two runs, you were you were in first place. Then your third run, I'm right in saying, you you, you set a track record, um, and you were eventually pipped to, 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 to take the silver medal. But you said you were very, very relaxed going into your final run. I don't know how anyone doing that sport can be relaxed, Jackie. It took a lot of work over the last couple of years just to try and stay stay calm. And, yeah, my, my track record lasted all of about a minute because yeah. the, the German girl, Hatter, who came down straight after me, absolutely smashed it, um, which is fine. I, I got to hold it for, for a little bit. Um, I, yeah, it was just. I say um, scary and, and skeleton, and it, and the speed you go. So for our listeners that that you know, may not have seen it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure all of you, all our listeners, have are right across it now because it's it's the big story this morning, Jackie. Rest assured of that is your silver medal um, and an historic day for for our country at the Winter Olympics. But no brakes, no steering wheel. Um, what is it? One point six. What and and Marcus sent me a text here. A question for you, Jackie. What sort of speeds? What are the top speeds you get up to? So here in Beijing, I think the fastest girl went about one hundred. I want to say one hundred twenty-eight kilometers an hour. Wow. Um, the boys hit one thirty, um, but the fastest speed we will hit will be down Whistler in in Canada, which is about which is over one forty. Jeez, do you get scared, or is it well past that stage? Uh, for the most part, where it's it's all under control and they, the nerves kick in if you're not quite prepared on the tracks that you know are going to bite. Mm. But for the most part, yeah, the scare doesn't really come into it anymore. So as Chookman has asked me here, have you broken any bones from, from skeleton? No. Um, concussion is my worst injury and then plenty, plenty of bruises. I, anything can go wrong, can't it? And, and, it's it's down to the the finest um, minuscule detail um, holding your line, and, and I'm just learning this as on the run watching watching last night and and yesterday as well. Um, how do you maximise your speed? What separates you from other competitors in getting that top speed? I guess obviously for, from someone like me outside of the sport, you've got to reduce any friction, even to the point of of your chin or your, your helmet um, touching the ice. Yeah, so a lot of it comes down to, first of all, equipment and getting the, the right setup so that it's it's efficient and it'll run. Um, but then it's about steering the least amount you possibly can to keep the sled online and working with track. Yeah. So your background, Jackie, your uh, athletics background, um, how on earth did you get involved in skeleton? Did you just wake up one morning and think, you know what? I want to slide down ice at about 150k an hour. I want to give the track and field a miss. Um, I kind of figured out that I wasn't going to be an Olympian in, in track and field, which is fine. And mm. then try, kept looking for any other way. And having Uncle Paul be a bobsledder, that kind of was always in the back of my head. 
right place at the right time to try bobsled. And then right, the curiosity kind of got the better of me after meeting our skeleton coaches to try skeleton and two runs from halfway down track in the US and I was hooked. You were hooked, hey? So you, your uncle, tell us more about that. So he has um, both summer and winter Olympics he's competed at. Yeah, he was the first Aussie to do both. Wow. Well, that okay. So now I'm now I'm getting a clearer picture of how you get steered into this, uh, what some might say a, a crazy pastime or discipline. You're obviously, you know, from an athletics background. Um, do you you must do a lot of core body strength in preparation? Do you? Yeah, a lot of it is uh, sprinting, and a lot of it is um, power uh, stuff in the gym. So like clean squats, deadlifts, that kind of stuff, and then. Um, lots of core, which also helps with my neck strength to keep my head off the ice. What did you think when they put the medal around your neck? I mean, this is your second Olympics, am I right? You you must have just been pinching yourself, were you? Hundred percent. From the second I crossed that line and saw saw the the number one, meaning that, that I'd clinched silver, it was an absolute whirlwind, um, and just it's still surreal to be honest. Family and friends have been reaching out, no doubt, um, on social media and, 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 and texts. I bet you your phone's probably gone into meltdown. Yeah, I actually deleted all of social media in the days leading in just because I didn't want to deal with the craziness. Um, and yeah. having just put Facebook Messenger back on my phone, and it seems to just not be working. <laughs> I think there's too many messages there. <laughs> well, that's, I, that might explain it because I was trying to find your Twitter handle because I was just going to promote the fact that you're on here and I couldn't find your, your Twitter handle. So maybe that's why um, you've just been solely focused on doing um, what you've done. Well, it's just an amazing effort all around. It really is uh, from, from you and from the whole team. So we've got four medals now and, and, and maybe some more to come with a week um, remaining in, in Beijing. Um, so where to now for you? Do you, you have a bit of a break or wh- when do you start gearing up for your next event? And, and what is that? So our season is completely finished now. The uh, next plan I'm getting on is to go is to come home to, to Brizzy for the first time in two years, get some sun and sand and see friends and family I haven't seen for forever. Yeah. And then we will let this sink in and figure out what next steps are because our next race won't be until November at the earliest. Oh, put your feet up. Put your feet up. Lay on the beach. So um, Brizzy girl, you, you must spend a lot of t- time overseas though, right? Yeah, so um, before I moved to the UK, we I would leave in October, get home in kind of the, the end of March. But since COVID, I haven't been home since October 2019. Yeah, I bet it's it's you're looking forward to that. Yeah, chill out, chill out, enjoy yourself um, and get ready to go again. And, and who knows, um, you'll be able to go again, won't you? Another Olympic, surely. You're only young. We will see. See how the, how the brain and the body pull up. But you want to go again? Or you had enough? It's the I hadn't really thought about it. The same <laughs> Rose World Champs next year are the are the, the big pool. Yeah, and yeah. then we'll we'll take it year by year. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, well done again. Congratulations. Uh, I know you're thrilled and um, almost overwhelmed, I guess. But uh, an historic day for us and a silver medal. Thanks for joining us on SEN, Jackie. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Well, there you go. Um, it must still be sinking in for, for Jackie. Um, and she was in gold medal position. 
after the two runs. They have four going into last night, two more runs, her third run. I'm right in saying a, a track record. Um, only to be pipped at the post. But you can't be disappointed, can you? You can't be. Well, I guess you can. You, you wanted gold, but a silver medal at the Olympics, uh, it does not get much better than that. All righty. Um, we're going to talk some soccer next. If you've got some questions, uh, send them through. Alex Brosk will be joining us. Uh, we'll talk all things A-League. This is Sports Central with me, Chris Warren. We're here till four. Keep those texts coming through, 0457 736 736. If you want to have a chat um, over the next couple of hours, that number, 1300 01 1170. Yes, you are. Chris Warren with you. Hope you're well. Hope you're well. Um, get in touch with the show. Let me know where you are tuning in. Welcome to our listeners on the Gold Coast through 1620 uh, up there on the uh, app as well, SENQ. You could be anywhere, anywhere on the planet, really, um, listening to us via the app. 0457 736 736 is a text line. Uh, or if you are listening to us uh, via the app, there's a mechanism on there. You can just dr- drop me a text. And hey, presto. Alrighty, time now to uh, to talk some uh, soccer and uh, just uh, rewinding, reflecting on the uh, three matches yesterday in the A-League. Sydney FC and Western United played out a one-all draw. Newcastle Jets upset the victory at Amy Park, winning 2-1. And Adelaide United and Wellington, this match also played at Cogra, uh, ended in a one-all draw. David Ball in the middle. He's got Sandoval one-on-one with Gauchi. Gail Sandoval, the Mexican, gives Wellington Phoenix the lead. 19 minutes into this game. He's... He cuts over the top. Bernardo on the back post. And he finds the back of the net. Bernardo with the equalising goal for Adelaide. At the front post. And would you believe it? Adelaide United, two minutes into stoppage time, have their equaliser. Jordan now, Duncan makes the save, but not from the follow-up, and Jake Brimmer scores. And in first half stoppage time, finally they have the breakthrough, Tony Popovich's team. And it's Jake Brimmer with his first of the season. Mikkel Tata makes no mistake. It's seven goals in eight games for the Georgian. And the Jets lead at Amy Park. Lovely counter-attack from Western United. Wales is in there. Priovic again. Lustiger shot. Unsighted. Was the goalkeeper, Hewitt Bell. And Western United have gone ahead ten minutes into the second half. A little nod down for Ninkovic. Finding the space, it's a good ball for Burgess on the left foot. And it won't finish 1-0 to Western United. Jamie Young, beaten, and in itself is worthy of note. And it's Max Burgess with his second goal of the season. Yes, indeed. Sydney FC midfielder Max Burgess. So uh, he scores there against his former club, Western United. So that denies United a chance to uh, to go further clear at the top of the A-League. Joining us now on the line, uh, Sports Central, former um, Sydney FC captain Alex Brosk. How are you, Brosky? I'm good, Chris. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. Uh, you were out there at Cogra. Um, horrendous conditions. Um, <laughs> did, did you take a brolly with you? 
Oh, look, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I thought it was rain forecast, but uh, mate, I would never have predicted that. So luckily, Channel Ten and uh, had some uh, umbrellas for us, and I was uh, I was okay. Now a bit of drama there at the end, uh, VAR drama. I'd love a dollar for the number of times that we we say this as well. Um, so United, they, they thought they'd they'd earned a late chance to secure all three points. Now just take us through that. Um, a handball, Ryan Grant, but uh, VAR said uh, no. Well, yeah, and I, I was right next to uh, the referee when he came to have a look at um, at the monitor. And what happened was, so obviously, the, the ball has struck uh, Ryan Grant's arm. Mm-hmm. The referee gives a penalty. He's been alerted by the VAR to come and have a look. So I heard the whole process from there. And his thing was that the, the raising of Ryan Grant's arm was intentional. So that's why he gave the penalty. But then... When they slowed it down and they fro- they froze where the ball actually hit him, mm. the reason he overturned it was because he said that it hit him on the shoulder, on the sleeve, which was which is sort of counted or considered part of the shoulder, um, and it was overturned because obviously the shoulder is not is not a, a you know considered a handball. So it was a fifty fifty decision, very uh, you know very difficult one. You can see why both sides were were arguing against and, and for their side, but. Um, you know, so Aloisi's initial um, reaction was, well, is it enough to overturn it? Is it a clear and obvious error? Mm. Which it definitely wasn't. But if it hits the shoulder, as the referee says and was alerted to, then it, it can't be a penalty. So mm-hmm. Aloisi had a great quote this morning saying, well, I'm just going to get my players to wear longer sleeves if <laughs> the sleeve is considered a, a shoulder, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, look, I think both the Corica will, if it had been given a penalty, you can understand if they'd be upset about it. Sydney FC... And the fact that it wasn't, you can understand why why Western United are uh, you know are upset as well. So it's mm. it's such a difficult one, the whole handball situation. Do you think the right decision was made in the end? Um, again, I I don't know what is considered a shoulder. For me, it sort of hit him halfway up the um, or you know three mm. quarters of the way up the arm, yeah. which. I mean, if if the rule says it's not a handball, and and I don't know what is again, I don't know what is considered a shoulder, what what's considered the arm. So I actually don't know. I, I, again, I could understand both sides, and it's not obviously me with my Sydney FC hat on. It's it's got nothing to do with that. I just I don't think anyone actually knows what's considered a handball these days. You know, it's it's such a difficult. Uh, I definitely don't think it should have been overturned if it was, um, you know, if it was based on whether it was a handball or not. But given they think it's a shoulder then fair enough. I mean, who are we well, to argue? We better change the bloody name of it and call it Armball. Huh? It's gone nowhere near his <laughs> exactly hand. right. Yeah, okay. No, no, that's right. All right, so uh, a one-all draw then, Sydney FC, Western United. Uh, United, they're still uh, at the top of the ladder, but they, they could have jumped a, a, a couple of points um, clear. Um, is it one that, that has got away from United? Should it have been a match that they should have picked up, do you think? Well, given the fact they went up 1-0, uh, they'll be disappointed uh, with that. But in saying that, I, I feel like the game, you know, uh, the, the one or draw was a, a fair result in the end. If someone had snatched it, it was such a difficult night to play in. You know, you could see how heavy the players were. And when it rains like that, you, you know, your clothes get heavy, your boots get heavy. You feel like you're running around with 10, 10 mm. kilo weight strapped around you. So it, it is difficult. And considering that, uh, look, I think the players handled it extremely well. But, yeah, I, I think each side had a few chances each, had some good spells of possession each. But a draw was definitely the uh, you know, the, the, the right outcome for the match, in my opinion. 
So Sydney FC, they've they turned the corner, haven't they, after a pretty, well, more than a slow start to the season. How did Thomas Hewitt-Bell go in goal? Um, and Andrew Redmayne, he was uh, having to start him uh, from the bench. How, how much longer will we see that, do you think? Um, look, I think Redmayne will come straight back into the next one. It's always difficult, you know, mm. when a, especially in that goalkeeping position. It's very rare that, you know, a goalkeeper comes back uh, from international duty and isn't thrown straight back in. With players, it happens, you know, because of the travel, they might, you know, mm. want to rest them and save them. And uh, But with goalkeepers, it's different. You know, you, you can't punish a player really for for going away for his, to represent his country. But in saying that, I mean, Tommy Hewitt-Bell, he had such a good game the game before. And I feel like Corica probably felt like he owed it to him to at least give him one more game. So I think Corica handled it well. But I do think... Um, uh, that Redmayne will come straight back in. And it's nothing against Tommy. I think Tommy is a fantastic young goalkeeper. It's just, unfortunately, the nature of that position where, you know, you can spend a whole season, a couple seasons, just waiting your turn. And eventually it happens. Either the, the older keeper moves on or you get a move to another club um, or form. But, um, yeah, I, I think I, I see Redmayne coming straight back into the next one. Mm. Okay, Amy Park then. I guess this is a bit of an upset, but they lost a man, went down a man, didn't they? Lost their captain victory. Um, Josh Brillante. So that uh, always makes it difficult. Uh, Newcastle coming home to, to win their 2-1. They did, and it is considered a big upset. I think if you look at the game and how it ended up with victory at 10 men, uh, look, the Jets did very well to, to, to go on and win that game, and it's a huge win for them given you know where they've been sitting on the ladder this season. But I, I do definitely feel for victory. I feel like that second yellow card for Josh Brillante um, you know, for me, if you're going to get a second yellow card, the referee needs to be aware of the fact, you know, that the player has a yellow and be a little bit more lenient, you know. And instead of Brent, like, giving out that second yellow so quickly, there needs to be a warning to say, listen, I mean, I know it's on the player as well. We shouldn't be committing silly fouls when he's on a yellow card. But in mm-hmm. saying that, a red card changes the the outcome of a game and it changes the spectacle for everybody going to see. So you don't want to see unnecessary red cards and a referee for me needs to be able to sort of notice that and pick up on that, know who's on yellows uh, and make decisions accordingly. And I feel like he got that, uh, that decision wrong. It changed the game from there and the Jets went on to win. So, um, I mean, for the victory, since uh, the FFA cup final win, it, it's back to back losses for them. So, a little bit concerning for for Popper and his squad, but um, again, they, they've got an incredible squad and they've got a couple of games in hand on the guys, all, all the teams above them. So no doubt they'll uh, they'll start picking up some wins anyway. And finally, mate, uh, Bernardo, so son of Adelaide uh, great Cassio, he scored an injury time um, goal there, one all Wellington and Adelaide United. That was also at Cogra. And a, and a, another good game. I mean, I was there. That was uh, before the Sydney FC West United game, and it looked uh, you could see it coming. I mean, Wellington did well in that first half. They went up one nil, and, and deservedly so. But that second half was all Adelaide, and it just looked like it was, you know, if Adelaide, if Wellington were able to hold on, it would have been a great three points for Rufus Tale, who's managed to turn his side around as well. But in the end, uh, Bernardo pops up at the back post, and it was a, a good header, a good finish for him, and. Um, and for Adelaide as well, I feel like they, they deserve that point as well. Um, and, you know, that moves them up into into fourth spot. The ladder's starting to take shape now with, uh, you know, all these catch-up games being played. And um, it looks for right. me, looking at it, it's hard to know who's going to win. It's, uh, it's as close as it's ever been. Thanks for joining us, Alex Brosk on Sports Central.
Yes, indeed. Chris Warren with you. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, Josh Kerr um, from the Indigenous All-Stars from the St. George Illawarra Dragons as well. So um, if you've got a, a question you'd like me to throw at Josh, um, send it through 0457 736 736. Uh, just recapping, though, from uh, from last night, the uh, Maori team, 16-10 winners over the Indigenous All-Stars. So they retain the Arthur Beetson uh, Trophy and uh, the Preston Campbell Medal. Um, it was uh, taken out uh, by Joe Tarpanay in the end um, and just deserved as well. They were they were too good. I thought the quality was really, really good. Conditions were, um, were awful. Um, and to those that... Uh, Packed out Parramatta Stadium, Combank Stadium. Well done to you. Uh, well done to you. Pick up the phone if you were there. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. It, it, I mean, I don't know. Watching it on television, I thought it was just spine-tingling stuff. Was it the same at the venue? Love to know. Love to know. Um, give me a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Well, I, I tell you what, one man that uh, might know is Josh Kerr. Uh, he's played in a few All-Stars games now. Josh, thanks for joining us, mate. How's the body? Hey, mate, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, mate, he's definitely seen better days, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but injury-wise, you okay? Or do we need to tell oh. Hook? We need to send a message to yeah. Hook saying you're busted. Oh, mate, no, definitely not. Geez, better cut that off here. But uh, <laughs> no, mate, um, I feel pretty feel pretty good. It's just getting that first game out of the way. And, you know, what a way to do it. What a way to kick off the year. You know, it's the best, one of the best weeks of the year for me. And, mate, like, yeah, just to get out there and share the field with those two cultures is, you know, nothing more special. Well, what did it feel like? I mean, I'm watching from home. I mean, I've said it a few times it was spine tingling. The pre-match, forget the match for a moment, the, the pre-match, um, tribal dances, um, whatever you, you call them, the war dances, a lot of respect was shown between both sides. Um, h- how was it? How did you feel out there? Oh, mate, you knocked it on the head, mate. It's, it's spine-tingling. Mm. Like, like, I can't, I just can't really put it into words, mate. It's just, it's so emotional. You're just so charged up and... You know, there's two very old and proud cultures that are there. And when the, uh, the Maori boys are doing their haka, you know, it's pumping our boys up. You know, we see how proud they are and it makes you want to do our war cry yeah. even harder. And, you know, obviously we did a bit of a different war cry and it was it was pretty much because, you know, we, we've got a whole new crop of young fellows that are coming through and we want to create something, our own legacy for us. And, you know, this is probably, we all said that it's the best All-Stars camp anyone's ever been on because I think we've, we've built something pretty special there. And I know I think we're going to try and do a few more things throughout the year together to hopefully build stronger connection to culture and and whatnot. But you know, I'm, it was just, mate, like it's so hard for people at home to understand that, you know, that probably just sit there and go, oh well, why did I even play that game? Well, mate, it's just representing our home, our family, and our culture. And you know, it's just it's such a special occasion. I love the idea. I love how the NRL get behind it. You know, and I love the people that packed out the stadium. When you were doing the the pre match ritual and um, and I, you know the Ma- Maori did theirs first and um, I loved it. When you got close up and personal, I was thinking, oh geez, I hope this doesn't boil over. But <laughs> never any chance of that. It was far too much respect shown uh, by both teams. Oh no no no! Oh definitely, I, d- I definitely thought there was going to be a punch on at one point. <laughs> I, I, I was Oh, I was just like, oh, geez, here we go. But that's that's just what it is. It's just that respect, and um, yeah, like yeah, like you just you don't know, you know, they're looking so bloody scary and, and angry with their their um, haka, you know. But 
you know, the boys had their chests out, you know, we stood, we stood tall and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But basically, you know, it's a shine of, it's a sort of respect to just be like, you know what, this is, you know, we just stood there like this is our land if you want to come there. And, yeah. you know, we're not a warring people. However, if you want to bring that, we will give it back to you. So yeah. that's just a little insight and like what's going through our heads. How much time did you put into the, the, the pre-match stuff? Uh, we, we did it every single day. We did about an hour every day and um, it was it was the best. You know, it was always mm. a laugh doing it. You know, we always did it and just learning it and then, at the end, you know, everyone's doing shake the leg. It's it's just the best. Like everyone's just getting around it, so proud. Everyone's happy, laughing. We just we practiced it for hours and hours. We wanted to get it perfect, and then made it just the way it came out. And the the thing that just I think it took a lot of the young boys by surprise. Not not me so much, but mm. when you do it and you just hear the crowd roar, it was packed out crowd. And yeah, mate, it, I just cannot explain that feeling. And when you're on that field and you can just hear the crowd, it's roaring and it sounds. It was like sounded like there was 100,000 people there just screaming for you. So, oh, mate, I was very emotional. You know, I was, like, nearly tearing up, you know, when I was yeah. out there doing it. So, well, I can – uh, Josh, I can, I'm talking to Josh Kerr, by the way, Indigenous uh, All-Stars forward and, and Dragons forward as well after uh, – I'm calling it an epic event last night. I, I think it's going from strength to strength, and this will be etched into the calendar for many, many years to come, I am sure. Now, in its previous guys, when it was the Indigenous All-Stars against the, you know, the other All-Stars, it just didn't have the passion that we're seeing now. And um, I'd love it to. I'd love it to go over to um, New Zealand maybe next year. What say you? Oh, definitely. I think there's already talks of that happening. I don't know if I'm even supposed to say anything like that, but um, yeah, I think it's definitely. I think I've heard rumours that it could be played in Wellington. So mm. I'd definitely love for us to go over there. And it's only right that we give those boys an opportunity to go back to their homeland and, and you know put on a show for their people over there. So I would love nothing more for them for that to happen. There you go. You heard it first. There's a scoop. Breaking news, and Josh Kerr's let it out of the bag. It's in Wellington, <laughs> Wellington next oh, year. Dude. Don't worry. I'll, I'll delete that stuff out of the interview. All right, when we uh, put it on the podcast. <laughs> um, the game itself, mate. Plenty of vigor. Plenty of fire in the belly. Um, we had a, a couple of scuffles there. We've had a few players put in the sin bin. Um, Jordan Rapin is uh, on report. Um, Andrew Fafita, first game back in a long time. It. it you know, I know it was emotional pre-match and all that sort of stuff, but um, it was pretty vigorous, wasn't it? Oh, mate, definitely. And honestly, like, seriously, it's rugby league. Like, God, there's going to be a bit of that, especially after yeah. especially after a very passionate war, like, you know, opening ceremony. So, look, I, get, I, I don't know. Look, I have my own views and opinion on it. Like, I love rugby league. It's tough. Not everyone can do it. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be people getting hurt and there's going to be things that, you know, you probably think a bit unfair and whatnot, but, you know, I think, you know, probably from a bit more of an inside view, you never go out there to purposely try and hurt someone or injure someone, but if something does happen bad and you got to have your mates back, and I think that's what, you know, Australia and our cultures are built on, you know, being with each other and our family and sticking up for each other. And, you know, there's a scuffle out there. Jesus, oh my God, leave it. Like, hell, like I just don't get how they're just, they're going to make more of a drama out of it. I don't know, but... I think a lot of the boys on the game just once it's happened, once the final whistle's blown, we cross that white line, and it's it's all done and dusted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, David Fafita, um, quite a handy try, wasn't it, uh, by Ramian off that break from Fafita, the first try of 2022. Oh, mate, nothing better than when you're stuck in your own end and you're battling to get out, and then the boys pull off something like that, and 
it's just awesome to see Big Davey just running and just bumping off a few boys. It's just like, wow, like you just sit there and you just go, geez, like how, how good is he as a player? So, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a big game player. And, you know, that was a big moment for us. And, you know, when they run down the sideline and you're a bit puffing and, and you're running down and you're just like, geez, please score this try. Because you're very far away from me right now. Yeah, he's a beast, isn't he? Um, so do you get a little bit of a break now or you go straight back into Dragons preparation for yourself? What, what's what's over the next few days for you? Oh, I'll be getting my ass handed to me tomorrow with a bit of fitness <laughs> I, I do. So. <laughs> what's... Oh, there's no... What's no, what's hook like? What's hook like uh, um, as a coach on that front? I mean, um, does he just hand it over to the fitness guys and and? Or... Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, it's a, it, you know it's rugby league at the end of the day, and we're paid to do that job. And you know, you can't be going in the training going, oh, I feel a bit sore, and oh, I'm mm. just not feeling mm. up to it. Well, that's not why you get paid, and that's not why you're here. You know, you got a very good opportunity. So. He's good hook, hook. You know, he's a really good talk. I find him to be a really good coach, as well as our performance staff. And at the end of the day, you know, they've done all the work. They've sat behind the computers for all those years to figure out what, you know, how the human body works. And in my little, you know, if it was up to me, I'd just be getting a whole massage tomorrow, and that's about it. Yeah, but nice. um, yeah, obviously they're probably going to make me do some running. So uh, we'll see how we go. Yeah. Uh, Josh, um, the season ahead then, I mean, a lot of changes. I, I think, your club probably has the most turnover or player changes. Um, just looking at and pulling some of the names out, though, the, the gains that, that have come to you for the season ahead. Um, George Burgess, I hear he's looking big. He's looking strong. Uh, who else you got? Very Jack well. Gajetsky, Moses Embai, Tautel Moga, Francis Molo, um, Jaden Sewer, Moses Suley, and Aaron Woods. I tell you what, you brought some new new faces and, and quite a bit of experience into the the club, and you've already got a, a number of young rookies on the rise. Oh, mate, yeah, that's it's definitely you know you can definitely feel a massive change in it from last preseason. You know, we just got a lot of a lot of old heads, a lot of experienced boys, and um, mate, yeah, just the look at it, it's very it's very different this year. It seems a lot more. Like the word I'd actually use is experienced. You know, you got all these old heads. They they all got really good chat. They talk really well. They've all done it before. You know, you look at Aaron Woods. You know, he's been in the grand final with Big Georgie Burgess. Has been in the grand final. And mm. as a young guy, or I don't even know if I'm young anymore. I just had my 26th birthday the other day. That's but, still uh, young. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. But you know, just looking up to someone like I want to win a grand final, and those boys have done it. So obviously, they've got something that they could pass on to me, and, and I'm willing to learn and be a sponge and spoke up all that uh, all that knowledge that they've got. But, mate, at the moment, you know, like, I just think we're shaping up really well. But like I've said in the previous years, you know, like, sometimes, you know, even if you're looking good at pre-season, it might not translate. So we just got to make it work. And I really do believe that we are going to make it work this year. The boys that we got are absolutely killing it at training. But actions speak louder than words. So mm. as much as I'd love to sit here and tell you how good we're going to do, I'd rather just do it for you. Mm. Yeah, well... Um... What are the goals then? What is deemed, what will be deemed a successful year for, for the Dragons? Has Cook put, put, put down some markers? Oh, he has and hasn't, but it's kind of like an unspoken thing. You know, we, we kind of have that chat a, a bit closer to round one, but um, for us, we just wanted to train as hard as we could so far. But I think nothing short of the top eight or top four is that would be a failure for us. And two, for too many years now, I think we've been on, you know, the bottom end of the spectrum too much. And, 
we start really well and we sort of drift away. But I think with the experience that Hook's brought in and with the boys that we've already got there, especially our young juniors coming through, they're absolutely killing it. You know, I think, like I said, anything short of the top eight at, the, at finals time, that's a failure for us. Mm, yeah, I think so too. And, and Dragons fans out there, I can, I can see them now, Josh. They're all nodding. Anything outside yeah. uh, the top eight. Well, I mentioned all the, the experience that you brought into the club, but there's so many youngsters there that uh, we saw glimpses from last year, didn't we? Tyrell Sloan, um, Jaden Sullivan, Talatel Amon, Zach Lomax is, is only going to... And, and then the Fenai brothers as well. So you've got loads of, of, of youth yeah. and, and talent uh, blended with some of the old heads. Oh, definitely, mate. And honestly, like Junior and Sloney and those young boys, they've been they've been absolutely killing it. So um, I don't really know what Hook's plan is, but you know, at the moment, I, you could definitely I could almost chalk them up as being starters in round one. But got to see how they go on the trials. Got to see, you know, like I don't want to speak too soon. But mate, the club, if you know, we re-sign these young guys. We've got Sloney. I'm not sure about Junior. We've got a young another young lad called Bud Sullivan. Mm. You know, that he's re-signed. So the club look is looking like it's in good hands for the next few years. But like I said, results speak, and I'd rather just do that. Mm. Well, you need Benny Hunt to put in another season like last year, um, and then the pieces might fall um, into line for you. Josh Kerr, thanks for joining us on Sports Central, mate. I really appreciate it. Always good to have a chat, and uh, you're generally one of the first to put his arms up to do that. So um, thanks very much again. I appreciate it. Love coming on always, mate. Thank you. Oh, brilliant stuff. Good on you, mate. Josh, Joshy Kerr there. Good fella, good fella, good player, and uh, I know very, very highly regarded by Anthony Griffin down there at St. George Illawarra. Um, Dragons fans, okay. Dragons fans, I um, I tipped you guys for the wooden spoon um, last year, and I was uh, very quickly put in my place by a number of Dragons fans. Um, you finished a fair way off the wooden spoon, but disappointing nonetheless. And there I have from Josh Kerr. Um, anything other than a finals berth will be deemed um, an unsuccessful season. Where do you think you might finish, Dragons fans? What are your levels of optimi- optimism like? Um, it really, it's a, it's a new look squad. A new look squad, and I until I just started reading it out myself and did a bit more research on it, it would be the most um, of all teams in terms of um, squad and player upheaval, um, ins and outs. So there you go. Uh, let me know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Dragons fans, what are your realistic expectations um, for the season ahead? Oh four five seven. 736-736. We might take a bit of a break, um, clear a couple of our, our commercials, but uh, when we're t- I'll try and get across uh, UFC 271 and, and give you a bit of an update from there as well. Welcome back to Sports Central. Chris Warren uh, with you for the next couple of hours or so, up until 4 o'clock, uh, 4 o'clock Sydney time, 3 o'clock uh, in, uh, in Brisbane. Um, 0457 736 736 is the text line. Keep those texts coming through. If you want to have your say, you can do that as well. Uh, enjoy talking to Josh Kerr. There he's a character, isn't he? He's a good fella, uh, real knockabout, but uh, a hard trainer and, and good, good player. Uh, and as I said before, I know I've very highly thought of um, by the coaching staff there at St. George Illawarra Dragons. We're going to talk some cricket in a moment. Before we do that, a bit of a golf update. The Victorian Golf Open being played uh, at Barwon Heads. 
Um, joining us uh, on the line now um, from Golf Australia, Jimmy Emanuel. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Where are we up to? G'day, Chris. How are you going, mate? Yeah, well, We're, uh, we got a bit... We've got a few changes at the top of the leaderboards here. Uh, so in the in the women's event, Hannah Green is two over so far today, and so is the men's leader, John Lyris. So uh, Hannah's still holding on to a two-shot lead over Whitney Hillier, while uh, John's now a few back of Aaron Pike and Ma- Matthew Griffin, who are at 17 under par. Okay, so um, the ladies in, Hannah was, I thought she started the final round about five clear, didn't she? She did. She had a five-shot lead at 12 under. Uh, Whitney Hilly was at seven under alongside uh, Karis Davidson, who's still at seven under. Uh, but there was just a two-shot swing there on the, one of the par threes on the front side where uh, Hannah made bogey and Whitney was able to make a birdie. So a bit of excitement there when it looked a, a bit uh, like it was going to be hard for the girls to track Hannah down. All right, we might check in um, in an hour or so and, and see where we're up to. Jimmy, appreciate you jumping on the line, mate. No worries. Oh, my pleasure, Chris. Great stuff. Jimmy Emanuel there from Golf Australia. I'm up to date uh, there for you from uh, the Victorian Golf Open, both the men's and the women's. All right, time now. We might talk a bit of uh, cricket. Plenty of cricket on as well. Um, we've got big, big bucks being thrown around at the IPL auction. $100 million uh, being thrown around. And uh, there are a few yet to go under the hammer. That will all uh, be rounded off today. The Aussies are in action, the second of the five-match uh, five T20 series against Sri Lanka tonight at the SCG. Um, so plenty to talk about. Joining us on the line from a Cricket Unfiltered podcast, um, he is a cricket broadcaster, Paul Dennett. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you, mate? Good, Chris. How are you? Mate, really, really well. Um, I don't know where we should start here. Um, let's look ahead to tonight's match. Are you envisaging any late changes to the Aussie lineup? I think that there's a possibility that they might give um, Ashton Agar a game. But other than that, um, I think that there's nothing, nothing going to be too dramatic. It was a pretty impressive in the end win um, on that first night because... I think the pitch was a little bit spicier than anyone realised. And I think the Australian bowlers put their score of 149 into context. So another mm. win is likely, but you never know. Sri Lanka are a team on the rise, I think. Yeah, just rewinding a few days to the, the first T20. Um, uh, on, with the ball in hand, Adam Zampa was just so impressive, wasn't he? Josh Hazelwood too. The figures that he churned out were just just incredible. Um, sort of a, a struck match between those two, I would have thought, in, in terms of player of the match. Yeah, and the Hazelwood form, um, you know, he's been bowling well in difficult conditions. He was, uh, bowled really well in the IPL and really well um, in, the, in the World Cup. So to, to be back in T20 cricket in Australian conditions, uh, it's very exciting. And it's amazing that for a while there, he could not really make our top side. So we've got the, um, the World Cup defence this um, October, and he's going to be key. And Adam Zampa, um, I never thought he was going to be that good. He's completely proven me wrong. He's one of the, the premier um, short-form bowlers in the world now. Mm. Uh, with the bat in hand, um, Captain Aaron Finch, um, he uh, again missed out on the runs, and, and he hasn't done too well, has he, in T20s recently in terms of internationals, I mean. From, from the World Cup, he, he wasn't really, he was a little bit inconsistent. Um, I, I imagine he'll be hoping to get amongst the runs tonight. Well, it's going to become a big story if he doesn't get some runs in this series at some point, because... Australia is very, very keen, obviously, to have him as the captain um, for the World Cup. I think they place too much stock on that. I think that they'd be better off just picking the best players and then and then finding the captain. But I think that their attitude is 
Finch would have to fail miserably between now and that tournament uh, to not be included. But we've got some um, powerful players at the top, and with with Warner not being in this series and Mitchell Marsh not being in this series, it gives Inglis and McDermott um, a chance to shine. Then, the, if he if he keeps on failing, the pressure could really come onto him. But he's one of the nicest guys in cricket, and I, mm. I, I hope he succeeds. And the future for McDermott, I mean, you, you can't really put a ceiling on that, can you? No, it's, it's amazing because a few years ago, he, he played an unbelievable knock in the Big Bash, and it looked like then that he was going to be a fixture in the Australian side. And he kind of got in the side, kept on getting run out, and <clears throat> then sort of went off the boil slightly. And then this season has come back uh, with, with great um, authority. Uh, it wasn't his fastest the other night, but again, as I said, I think the pitch was a little bit more difficult than people thought. So getting that first 50 out of the way, it's going to be really interesting to see if he, if he figures actually in our starting 11 for the World Cup. We'll talk about the IPL, the money being thrown around there at the auction um, in a moment. Before we do that, um, just reflecting on, um, I guess, the life and times of poor old Will Pekoski. He cannot take a trick. Uh, I don't know what number concussion this is now. It's in double figures. Do we know any more about that? Um, and, and, well, how is he? Well, I mean, it's one of the saddest stories in sport to have I mean, his talent is sublime, and he's such a likable guy. Well, every time I see him interviewed, I just warm to him. Have that talent, um, and really, he, he should be playing test cricket and scoring centuries. So, um, I think the situation is that he's got to just uh, consult with his doctors, and that there's a lot of people saying, well, now's the time to draw the line. But I think mm-hmm. that if it was me, and presuming that he wants to keep on going, you just got to ask the doctors a very simple question. If each time I get concussed, I do the right thing, I stay away from the game until it goes away and I don't kind of get that concussion on top of concussion, will my long-term health be okay? And if they say yes, then I see no reason for him to to stop. If they say no or we don't know, then that's when it starts to become uh, a very difficult decision. So that was the final day of the, the, as it turned out, the drawn match between Victoria and South Australia. Um, Take us, do do we know exactly what the incident was? It was in a pre-match warm-up, was it? Yeah, that's, you, you hear it and you think, why are they bowling bounces to him in the nets? And suddenly, no, yeah. it wasn't. It was uh, playing a game of soccer um, <laughs> and it was just in the pre-match warm-up. And so that's where it seems that, um, and I'm far from an expert, but mm. either maybe he has a, just a propensity to um, get concussion more easily than others mm. or we're just noticing it now. In, in 20 or 30 years ago, it would have just been, oh, he's a bit dizzy for a few days and he keeps on playing to the long-term detriment of his health that no one would have known. Um, or is it a cumulative thing that as he gets, keeps on getting them, do they become uh, more likely? So, yeah, it's, uh, I still hope that there's a, there's a, a positive outcome from this at some point. Mm. Yeah, so do I, because we know how much talent he's got. Um, and you, you would hate to think it's a premature end to what we all thought would just be such a, um, such a prosperous career. But let's not uh, draw a line under it yet, Will Bukowski. Let, let's hope that he can. Um, see his way through all this, get the right help, and 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 the best is is yet to come from him. Righto, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about some cash, shall we? Plenty of cash being yeah. thrown around at the uh, the IPL mega auctions. A hundred million of the dosh, if you don't mind. Now they're still earning uh, a million or more each. So Pat Cummins and David Warner, both um, still in the money, very much so. But um, a bit of a haircut they've both received. Yes, it's hard to feel sorry for someone earning yes. over a million dollars for eight weeks. But um, Cummins has dropped from three point one six to one point three five, and Warner from two point three to one point one six. So, yeah, they're going to need some 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 financial help. 
And Mitch Marsh, I mean, uh, he's been picked up to join Delhi on, I think, a 1.2 million uh, deal. Yeah, and I, I reckon that's really good for for Australian cricket because the yep. fact that he's going to be there and, and David Warner, both under the guidance of Ricky Ponting, I think that if Australia had their way, Ricky Ponting might be our next coach. Every time you hear him speak cricket, you just think, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Even hearing uh, some of the, the, the English journalists like Nasser Hussain saying that just he's the best brain in the world. So having um, Warner and March, uh, Marsh under his guidance can only be a, a good thing. So it continues today, right? Um, and how am I right in saying there's about 43 Aussies? Um, does that sound right to you? Uh, it does. Going under the hammer. Uh, Steve Smith was overlooked, I believe, right? On the, on the first day. Yep. And Matthew Wade. Yep. And Adam Zampa, actually. And um, Adam they Zampa. could all still get picked up. Um, the, I think they get re-entered into the auction at the sort of, um, if a team wants to kind of consider bidding them at a, at a reduced rate. So, it's been it's happened in the past where players have missed out on the first day and then have been picked up <coughs> mm. on day two. But um, the one that's going to be interesting is also is Tim David. That um, he's got a base price of seventy five thousand. He um, I think he should be in the Australian side. He's just the biggest hitter going around in the world. He's six foot five. He bowls a bit everywhere he goes in the world. He he operates at a strike rate of about one hundred and eighty. Um, and I think that there's uh, every possibility that he might get picked up for a big amount. And I hope he does, because it might alert the Australian selectors that this upcoming World Cup, he's a very exciting player and they should be thinking about him. Mm. Um, all righty, back on to tonight's game. So Andrew McDonald, um, he's overseen, well, a successful first um, match in charge, us winning by, was it 20 runs, Duck, Duckworth-Lewis method. Uh, a lot of room for improvement, I think, in the Australian team. We got off to a really good start and then just sort of crumbled um, in a heap. Uh, it's too early, too early to, to, to make a um, an assessment of, of Andrew McDonald, but from what I've heard from him um, in recent days, he, you know, he, he certainly has his, his head screwed on the right way. Yeah, he's very well regarded. Um, he's... Uh, I think the player's choice that they'd be more than happy for him to be the long-term coach. And I think that he, he, he would be a good choice. And that um, the big difference between him and Langer, there's no question that they're both very intelligent um, and great cricket operators, is that he is more of that nurturing, pat-on-the-shoulder, um, uh, father-figure-style coach rather than the Langer sort of um, determination and passion, which... It may well have been that we've got the right outcome, that we probably needed that three or four years ago. Maybe we don't need it now. But will he actually want the long-term job? It's a massive commitment. Mm. And, um, you know, you spend 300 nights of the year not in your own bed. Um, there's there's a lot of easier money to be made elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, i tell you what I might do. Uh, I heard an interview yesterday. He joined, um, he joined us on yesterday's Sports Central program, I might even replay that um, if we, we can dig that out because I, you know, I, I like what I've heard um, from him. Hey, just back on the IPL auction too, Paul. I don't know if you, you picked up on that or know more about it. The poor old auctioneer fell off his perch. He had some heart troubles or something. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. The, the camera was focusing on the, uh, the various different bidding parties. Yeah. And they're all kind of chatting amongst each other, amongst themselves, working out what they're going to do next. And suddenly everyone's faces um, blanched and they, they cut across and the poor bloke's lying prostrate oh. on, the, on the ground. And um, they then cut the, the broadcast and went back to the host studio. Um, it didn't look like they were, like, I don't know, they, they probably should have been rushing to him a bit more urgently, but I think he's fine. And it was just a, a case of a, 
um, a bit of uh, low blood pressure at that point. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it was it was pretty striking television. Yeah. Okay. Gee, anything you you never can never plan for that. I hope he's all right, Hugh. Uh, Hugh, I'm, I'm not sure about Ed Meads. I think he is. So, um, hope he is okay. All right, mate. Uh, thanks for jumping on the line, Paul. Um, are you are you heading out to the cricket tonight? No, I'm um, I'm not. Um, I'm I'm tempted to, but um, I think I'm probably not going to. But um, I think that the good thing about it is there's no rain forecast, so. Uh, hopefully we'll get more than 12,000 like we did on Friday. Well, there's the challenge, cricket fans. So what did we get last night at Parramatta for the for the footy? 27,000. Righto. So my challenge to you, Sydney sports-loving Sydney fans, cricket fans, you need to get at least 50%, right? So what's that? What's that? Quick sums. We're at 13 and a half. 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Oh, we're all very quick here. What about that? We all jumped in. <laughs> Righto. So anything less than 13,500, okay, it's an un- underperforming tonight at the SCG. Paul, thanks for joining us, mate. Always good to chat. Thanks, Chris. Good stuff. There is Paul Dennett from uh, the Cricket Unfiltered um, podcast. Jaleesa Apps also is on there as well as Andrew Menzel. So um, check it out if you haven't done so already. We might uh, – I tell you what we will do. I'm going to dig that out that, and listen to uh, the interim coach, Andrew McDonald. He spoke to the boys yesterday. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll hear – from the interim head coach of Australian cricket team. Yes, you are. Uh, we're going to hear from Andrew McDonald very shortly, the interim um, Australian cricket coach. He uh, joined us yesterday, joined Jason uh, Matthews yesterday on Sports Central. Just before we do, I wanted to give an update from USC 271 from an Aussie perspective. Uh, Robert Whitaker against Israel Adesanya. That's to come up. And uh, tied to Avasa also in action. But one bout has already finished. And uh, Queenslander, Queenslander, Casey O'Neill, Casey the King O'Neill, uh, she has won. She has won in emphatic fashion um, on points. Um, but they gave her a big, big boo- booze over there in Houston. They weren't happy with the result. She was taking on um, a veteran of the sport, Roxanne Modaferi. But O'Neill from Brisbane, 24 years of age. She wants to be our first UFC women's champion. Um, And she's won over there. Uh, So big, big news for her. But she was booed by the crowd. And then, uh, well, she stood up and took the microphone and said, you want me to be the bad guy? Uh, Well, then F you. I'll be the bad guy. So um, she's a character and she's a fighter. So good on her. Uh, Casey O'Neill, a victory at UFC Two seven one. All right, turning our attention away from uh, the brutality of brutality of the octagon, and uh, well, into I guess what can be um, a brutal occupation too, for various reasons, as being a coach of a national sporting team. Andrew McDonald is uh, he's slotted into the role as interim head coach of the Australian cricket team, and so far he's doing quite well. He spoke with Jason Matthews yesterday. Thanks for having us, Jason. Uh, mate, good win. How impressive was Josh Hazelwood? I mean, when was the last time Josh Hazelwood played any cricket? I mean, his performance last night, four for 12, but also Adam Zampa, who I thought was the player of, of our team in the World Cup. He just continues to roll on. Great performances by those two last night. Yeah, fantastic performances by those um, two in particular. And I think they've really had a a great 12 months in particular in, in this format. Obviously, um, Josh, had, Josh hasn't played a lot of T20 for Australia. Um, that's purely because his test demands. And as you mentioned, he's coming off a side injury that ruled him out of the, the last four test matches of the Ashes. So it's been a 
incredible gap for him. So to come out um, and have that performance first up, uh, full credit to him and, and the way he's prepared. And Adam Zampa, yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think he was um, you know, close to being our, our best player in the World Cup and um, he just continues to go f- from strength to strength. And um, he just keeps improving his variations, his control, um, his read of the game. Um, yeah, he's, he's in a, a nice sweet spot in his career. Andrew, would someone like Adam Zampa be able to take that into the long form of uh, of cricket uh, test matches? Is that, or is he? He's he's only good at that white ball cricket. Can he take that variation? I, I I'm I'm surprised he hasn't played many tests. Could you see him playing tests in the future? Oh, I think he can never discount anyone. Um, it's really just the opportunity for him to play a lot of first class cricket. The the white ball players don't get access at first-class cricket. And, and there's a couple of good spinners in front of him in the red ball format, and um, Nathan yeah. Lyon and, and Mitchell Swepson. So I think, yeah, he'd, ha- he'd have to put some performances on the board in, in those sort of longer formats, form of the game. And it's, it's where he sort of gets, um, I suppose, opportunity with that. But, um, yeah, you never say never. And, and the way he's bowling, um, yeah, you could see it looking uh, pretty handy in a red ball game. But uh, as I said at the moment, there's a couple of handy ones in front of him, and not to mention Ash Nagar, who's been picked on the, the recent tour of Pakistan. Um, ben McDermott, great to see him at the top of the order last night. Normally gets his crack around the, the middle of the order. Are you keen, you keen to keep him at the top of the order? Yeah, at the moment we've got a small opportunity there with David Warner uh, not playing, um, getting himself ready ready for Pakistan. Um, so there's an opportunity there um, for, for him to play at the top of the order. It's probably where he's um, played his best cricket for the Hobart Hurricanes over a period of time. So um, sometimes when you come into the Australian team, you've got to fit in and around, and you know, he's been in the middle order at times and, and probably not a role suited to him. But I, I think he's really happy at the top of the order. Um, so we can see him, yeah, depending on who's available and who's not, um, you know, heading towards the World Cup, um, fulfilling that, that role of the sort of, you know, somewhere in the top three. Josh Inglis last night. It was a short stay at the crease, but, geez, it was entertaining. Yeah, it was great to see a first gamer um, come in and sort of play the way that we know he can play. Um, it takes a lot of sort of courage to be able to do that, walk out there at the international level and <laughs> and uh, transfer your game from domestic level uh, onto the big stage. So, yeah, we we're really encouraged by that performance. Um, we, you know, we, we obviously took him to the World Cup in the squad there, so we know what he can do. But, yeah, he got his opportunity and his debut last night, so we look forward to what that career looks like um, as it unfolds. Now, we know we haven't got a lot of time because you've got training shortly with the boys. Um, can you remember a time in Australian cricket that we've had so much depth, depth in batting and bowling. Normally it's one or one or the other, but at the moment we seem to have a lot of depth in batting and bowling, Andrew. Yeah, I think that sort of comes through a little bit of exposure. We saw during the Ashes that you know, a couple of our bowlers got um, injured and then Paddy Cummins had the, the COVID scare. Um, so that just created gaps for, for those domestic players to come through. And I think it's full credit to the domestic system, really. It sort of sometimes gets critiqued harsher than, than probably what it should. And, and we've seen that it's preparing players for the, for the next level. And um, as you said, it's great to see people acknowledging that depth. And I suppose the more opportunity we give to those guys from domestic level, they'll show how good they are. And with the way that the future tours program is, there's, you know, it's near or impossible for players to play the whole time. Um, so there's going to be some some opportunities there, and it's great to see people taking those. Andrew, what's your? Um, I've got to ask you this question. What's your position on the full time coaching role? Aaron Finch is backing you, and Pat Cummins wants a more collaborative coach. Uh, have you had time to have a think about this, and and are you keen on the role? I haven't had time to think about it. Sort of whisked into the um, the interim role and. 
I suppose it's for Cricket Australia to, to understand what they're looking for in that head coach and, and roll that out. And, and then, obviously, they'll run a process, which they, they do, and that will be no doubt thorough. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, once, once the details of that emerge, then you can start to make a position as to, to whether it suits, um, you know, what you, you're expecting out of a role and, you know, the demands of it. And, you know, JL has commented over time that it is a very demanding role to do all, all three formats um, for the whole whole year round. So, uh, I'm not sure what their thoughts are, but yeah, I'll, I'll look on with interest to see where they land on that. And the tour of Pakistan, been reports that some of the players uh, have concerns, which is totally understandable for, for their safety. And it'd be certainly nervous heading over there, I, I could tell you that much. But has there been much discussion uh, in the change room from the players and, and the staff? Not really. I think that the way that Cricket Australia have sort of tabled the information to us, they've taken us on the journey around security and COVID and what it looks like over there. So, I think that's alleviated a lot of the stresses and, and, and doubts of the tour, and, and that's probably indicated by the fact that we've, we've pretty much got everyone available for that tour. Um, so that's a great sign um, that, that everyone's you know more comfortable than probably what they were a few months ago. So there hasn't been a lot of discussion around that. There's been a lot of discussion around the opportunity in Pakistan and looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be an incredibly tough tour. We know that. Um, we haven't been there since 1998. Um, and we're not sure what to expect um, just because we aren't familiar with those conditions. So um, we look forward to the opportunity um, and, and see what, see what that, that test brings to us as a group. And, and quite rare too, Australia hasn't been overseas, hasn't played a, a series overseas uh, test, that is. I think it was, what, October 2019. So uh, it, it must, must be a good feeling to, to get out of the country and actually head overseas for a change. Yeah, I think it might have even been the Ashes series from memory. So it's been a, yeah, a wow. long time. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. So yeah, we look forward to that. And obviously, COVID has had a fair say in that. Um, mm. So it's rare that you probably get these gaps. But yeah, as you said, yeah, we're looking forward to the the tour overseas as a, as a Test match team, and looking forward to the okay. challenges ahead. It's a, it's an interesting sort of twelve months ahead with um, Pakistan and um, Sri Lanka. So we're going to get tested in, in conditions that are foreign, but um, we feel as though we've got the capabilities to to make a good fist of it. Andrew, it's good to be talking about cricket on the field rather than off the field now. The second game tomorrow night at the SCG, taking on Sri Lanka again. Best of luck with that game, and thanks for joining us on Sports Central. Yeah, Jace Matthews doing a good job there with Andrew McDonald, who speaks really, really well, as you would expect from the, uh, the national coach of the, the Australian men's cricket team. Uh, wouldn't be drawn though, wouldn't would he? Wouldn't be drawn on whether he wants the gig full time going forward. So, watch this space. Uh, just recapping from uh, UFC uh, two seventy one over there in Houston. Uh, Nick Walshaw of the Daily Telegraph. He's over there. He was going to jump on the line, but he's uh, he's just too busy to do so. Uh, but he is putting a blog on the Daily Telegraph website ahead of um, the headline fight between Rob Whitaker, the Aussie, and Israel Adesanya, the Kiwi. Um, and that's still to come. But um, Casey O'Neill, undefeated Aussie, Casey O'Neill, she has won. She has won. So that's four straight wins for her. She only made a debut about a year ago, and uh, she defeated uh, the veteran um, who is now retiring. So uh, good luck to Casey, or well done, rather, to Casey, defeating uh, UFC favourite um Rocks and Modiferi. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we'll recap last night's uh, Indigenous and Maori All Stars match, uh, won by the Indigenous boys, uh, the Maori boys rather. Sorry, uh, but they can all hold their head held very, very high. I thought it was a wonderful event. And when we return, we will hear from the man of the match.
Yeah, there's some uh, quick snippet there of the match last night. Uh, Maori 16, Indigenous 10. Um, the Indigenous side, they, they led, didn't they? 6-0. Uh, David uh, Fafida uh, stormed down the, uh, the eastern touchline, trampled over a, a few Maori players, and uh, they scored their first try, Jesse Ramian. But uh, then the, uh, the Maori team hit back. Uh, a brutal affair, it really was. We had a couple of sin binnings, uh, three players placed on report. Um, as I say, uh, that first try for 2022, um, just quite exceptional, quite exceptional indeed. And that that's even after. Uh, that was all in torrential conditions. Um, but I thought the pre-match stuff was was really, really good. And this is, I've said it a couple of times already, but I think this event is, is going to grow uh, bigger and better. I don't know how it can get much better. I thought it was awesome last night. Uh, but uh, Josh Kerr from the Indigenous team from the Dragons, he joined us earlier on. And I don't know if he let the cat out of the bag. And I don't know if it is public knowledge, but he seemed to indicate that um, it'll be heading to Wellington next year. So I don't know if that has been made public or if it is official um, or just whispers. But uh, when it's uh, coming from one of the players, uh, it's a pretty good source, isn't it? So well done to the uh, to both teams, a, a Maori team, though, uh, getting the victory. And uh, the women's uh, game before that, the Indigenous Women's All-Stars 18 defeated the Maori Women All-Stars 8. Um, two pieces of brilliance from Tamika Upton. Uh, it was enough to lead the Indigenous side to an 8-8 win against Maori team uh, in the Women's All-Stars match. 10,066 were there for the women's game, and then that escalated uh, up to around 27, so 26,755 uh, for the men's All-Stars match. So, as I say, it's an event that is now, I think, firmly etched uh, in the calendar uh, going forward. Uh, next hour, uh, we've got still plenty to come. We're going to be talking some NBA. We'll be talking some UFC 271. I'll, I'll bring you up to speed on what's happening there in Houston. Um and also, we'll be previewing um, the Super Bowl, which all starts tomorrow morning. So we'll talk, to talk through uh, Matty Bungard from the Wide World of Sports will be joining us at the back of the next hour. I've got some texts in there. I will get through them. I promise you I will get through your texts. So keep them coming through, uh, and I'll get through them uh, before we do go off air at, uh, at 4 o'clock. But if you want to contribute or you want to pick up the phone and have a chat, you can. one 300 one
And I hope you're well. Chris Warren with you for the next hour, and then I'll be out of here. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA in a little bit. Um, I'm going to get hold of No Looksy Brooksy. He's out there and about. He's uh, taking in the UFC 271 in Houston. Um, I dare say he's in a pub, so we'll try and uh, track him down in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, before we do, at the back end of the next hour, we're going to be talking some Super Bowl uh, with Matt Bungard from Wide World of Sports. He's also, I think, in a pub watching the UFC, so it could get a bit messy the next hour. Before we do, though, just to set the scene, now you can hear it play-by-play Tomorrow morning here on SEN, Jared Waitley is over there in LA and he'll be calling it uh, right there in front of him. So an amazing, it must be amazing to go to a Super Bowl. I've never done it on the bucket list. Yeah, I'd love to. I don't know if it will ever happen. Uh, but Jared is over there. He'll be calling it play by play. He spoke with uh, Jason Matthews yesterday on Sports Central and I thought it worthwhile going back and, and listening uh, to what Jared had to say. Yeah, welcome back to it. Jason Matthews here this afternoon on 1170 SEN, SENQ, and also across the SEN app. I, I tell you what, there's a lot of sport going on, not only in Australia at the moment, but around the world, of course, the Winter Olympics. Uh, and one of the biggest sporting con- uh, uh, competitions or finales that will be watched by billions around the world happens Monday morning our time. It is Super Bowl 56. You can catch all the action from 9 a.m. here on SEN, the game starting at 10.30. And the man who's calling this game for us is Jared Waitley. He's joining us now on Sports Central. G'day, Jared. Jason, greetings from Los Angeles, where it's been the most glorious Friday. It's 31 degrees and there's a party atmosphere, which is building by the hour in the heart of Hollywood as we look towards Sunday night and, and Los Angeles, the, the pride and joy, their $5.5 billion stadium hosting the, the showpiece game of American football. I will admit I'm jealous, uh, Jared, that you're over there and I'll be watching it uh, back here in Australia, uh, albeit at the Sporting Globe. Uh, but I tell you what, I'm looking forward to this game because you've got a team, one of the teams, um, and I'll get into it shortly, the Bengals, their, their past three years has been very interesting. But I want to find out from you first, Jared, how, how you became involved in, in your love of uh, American football. I mean, you've caught AFL, you've caught cricket, uh, horse racing. Where did your passion for American football come from? So I'm in my mid-40s, and when I was young, Don Lane used to host a highlight yes. show each week on the ABC. So yes. my vintage is the New York Giants when Phil Simms was a quarterback and Bill Parcells was a coach, and then to the 49ers when Joe Montana uh, ruled the NFL world. So that's the heritage of it. So it's always been part of of what I've watched. Um, my memory is that the Super Bowl started to be shown live about then as well. That's probably mm-hmm. the, the late 80s. And it, so, yes, it, it's a game that uh, I've always enjoyed. I have uh, I've watched. Um, and we know how, um, how pervasive it's become now. Is on, on Monday morning, you've got the choice of as many as five games that you can watch um, between Channel 7 and Foxtel ESPN. And then uh, we get Monday Night Football on Tuesday, which is a beautiful time slot for me just after I get home from from doing my show. So uh, (laughs) that side of it is it's always been something that I've enjoyed and watched. The Super Bowl is it's a transfixing event because not just because of the game, but because of the cultural piece with the halftime show and the like. And then when I came to SEN is. And the notion was that we wanted to take SEN audiences to the biggest sporting events 
in the world and the biggest annual sporting event is the Super Bowl. So five years ago, we, we went to Minneapolis. It was minus 25 degrees. It was absolutely freezing <laughs> there. Uh, so we went through uh, Minnesota, Atlanta, Miami. Then obviously we couldn't travel last year with the pandemic to Tampa Bay, but uh, here we are back in LA. Do you have a favourite team? Mine's, and I, by the way, I was educated about NFL the same way as you. Monday nights, ABC, Don Lane, outstanding. Yeah. Do you, my yeah. favourite team's the Cowboys. Do you have a favourite team, Jared? <laughs> uh, I, do you know what? It's one of those things. I probably more have favourite players now right. when it comes to the NFL. It's almost like your, your home country sports, you are... Um, you're obliged to follow teams. That's culturally how we are. And once you're wedded to a team, you're with them for life. But it sort of get to pick and choose a little bit with your overseas teams, I find. So I have followed, I followed the Giants when I was a kid, and it was because Don Lane was a New York fan. So we watched it through his eyes, and he was a Giants mm. guy. So I followed him. I love the career of Joe Montana, and I'll hardly be the only kid who would say that. I found... Tom Brady, the most extraordinary figure to follow. So I guess for a while I was a Patriots fan, but then when he moved to the Bucks, my allegiances were there. Patrick Mahomes is, um, is, is one of the most magnetic figures in all of sport. So I'm, I'm now drawn to him. So, uh, yeah, I, I have in my wardrobe um, a whole suite of jerseys, but none of them are from the same team. They're, they're all matched to players along the way. That's fantastic. LA Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals over the last two years, I think, Jared, they'd won, what, six games in, in two yeah, seasons. Yeah. What's, what, how have they transitioned and how have they gotten to this Super Bowl uh, this year? It's been remarkable. They've done it on the back of their number one draft pick, uh, Joe Burrow. And this is, I guess, because the sport is so... Um, the, the, the quarterback is so central to the sport. This is the possibility is you can transform what's been a miserable three decades really for the Bengals. But as you rightly point out, as two years ago, they had the worst record in football with two wins. And then last year they had four wins. So they're on the journey sort of from worst to first, as it's referred to here. And it's done on the back of, of one great young player. So, um, maybe rebuilding in the NFL is a different proposition to the long-term rebuilds that are required in our Australian sports because the responsibility is more shared and more spread. So Burrow has, he has an illustrious college career. He's never lost a playoff game. He's come into the NFL. Last year, he got injured. He had to have knee surgery, ended his year early. So this is his second year, but it's his first full year. And he's taking his team immediately uh, to the Super Bowl. They've put some fascinating creative pieces around him. Uh, you'll hear during the call, Jamar Chase is in his first year as a wide receiver. And he's quite, he's quite a, a dynamic one-on-one player who, who creates catches from contests in a way that you'll recognise as, as either NRL or, or AFL or, or rugby union fans. He's a, he's a strong body who can win the contest against a direct opponent. So... That said, it is, um, it's an incredible surprise that they are in the Super Bowl. They hadn't won a playoff game for 31 years. They hosted the Raiders in a wild card game. It was brilliant to see them win. There was a huge amount of outpouring, and I think that's where everybody expected it to end. They then went and beat the number one seed in their conference, the Tennessee Titans, the next week. 
and they fell behind the Kansas City Chiefs by 18 points away from home in the conference championship. And most people would have imagined they were going to get beaten by 40, and they staged an incredible comeback. So Mm. it's being said it doesn't make a lot of sense how a team like this can be in the Super Bowl, but it's the dream for every struggling team that there is. And maybe when you get to these moments, there's a bit of fairy dust about it. I guess we'll find out on Monday. And on the other side of the coin, we see a team playing in their home stadium for the for the second time in a row, uh, which had never been done yeah. before in the history of Super Bowls. The LA Rams. One thing I've heard a lot this year, uh, this week, Jared, is that the Rams—they're all in. They've thrown everything yeah, at making yeah. the Super Bowl with with recruitments and and whatnot. They have. So uh, you can you can date it back to their owner who brought them back from St. Louis to Los Angeles. He then spent $5.5 billion to build this extraordinary stadium for them to play in, knowing that there was this Super Bowl date which they would be granted. So that the team is, I mean, it's almost destined to play in this game and sport doesn't always allow a plan to come together in such a way. So it is a, it's a huge moment for that team, for Los Angeles more broadly. And yes, it is to give you the, the context, is they have traded away all of their first-round draft picks across a seven-year stretch. So the last first-round draft pick they took was in 2016. The next one is due in 2024. They have used all of those picks to go and get established players for exactly this moment. So they do have... They have stars in a lot of places. They have pretty gritty experience also and I think it's um, it's an interesting study you've got one team who's rebuilding in that way that we would recognize from home and one team who has targeted these established players and put them all into this team for this game so yes they are all in it doesn't mean if they don't win it they'll disappear from the face of the earth so uh, that, that's that part of it I, I wouldn't agree with but uh, this is this is it. Is there is a there's an element of creating their own destiny for what's about to transpire. And Super Bowl Fifty Six is a massive show. My, I have teenage daughters, Jared. They're fourteen. Yeah. They're twin girls. So do I. <laughs> they're 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 telling me about the halftime show. And gee, haven't they yeah, put together yeah. a collection of LA's finest performers? Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige. This is going to be outstanding. Yeah, yeah, gangster rap in Los Angeles. <laughs> so we'll have to wear our hats backwards, Jared. <laughs> I know it doesn't quite suit me. I'm happy to say that, Jace. Um, <laughs> but part of the soundtrack of of LA is when you walk around, the, the convertibles top down, rap music blaring out. So it, it is a it's a celebration of that. Uh, the last uh, a couple of years ago in uh, Miami, it was um, it was J Lo. And uh, it was that that was, I guess, possibly more to my musical taste. And it was yep. spectacular. <laughs> but they talk about these halftime shows for years to come. So people will t- still tell you about the night that Prince played. That was the greatest. And, uh, yeah. So I think that's that, that's genuinely acknowledged. Michael Jackson played one, which yep. obviously is a bit uh, conflicted when it's thought of now. There's a musical piece that was incredible. Uh, sometimes they're they're poor. And that draws all manner of criticism and cautionary tale as well. So the city <laughs> tries to land something that matches um, matches the, the mood and the way of life here. And 
yes, the, the, the gangster rap that we're, we're going to be uh, enjoying or subjected to, depending on your personal disposition, will be quite something. We'll just turn our hats backwards and we'll hum and we'll <laughs> pretend. Well, I do, I do know Eminem, so I'm very happy yeah, uh, yeah. That, he's, that he's performing, Jared. And, of course, one of the greatest performers is your co-commentator, Ben Graham, the last Aussie to play in a Super Bowl. I think he had Bruce Springsteen play the year he was in the Super yeah. Bowl. So there you go. This. Some big he, names. He Who's your tip, Jerry? That, that uh, uh, ben Graham tells that story that at halftime he walked out of the rooms and back out onto the field and sat on the bench right in front of the stage and watched the Bruce Springsteen concert that close. <laughs> so that was that's part of his experience. Look, I think the Rams will win for all the reasons that we've mentioned is um, building this team for this moment. Um, I'm totally open to the Bengals continuing this fairy tale run I think there's probably a risk because we know those grand finals every now and then where you go how did they get there and they didn't ultimately Mm. belong in that last game it just couldn't take the final step I think there's a small risk that the the Rams will blow the Bengals out but I think there'll be a lot of fun to be had along the way so um, probably yeah I'm totally open to the Bengals winning I think it would be an incredible thing to witness but being in Los Angeles, in that stadium for their team, I think they're, they're heavy favourites, and I do expect that they would win. Sadly, we're out of time. You can catch all the action from 9 o'clock Monday morning here on SEN. Jared Waitley, good luck with the call, and we look forward to hearing it. Yeah, it'll be a huge experience. I can't wait to share it with you. Cheers. Have a good afternoon. Enjoy your time in LA. So Jared Waitley over there in LA, uh, Jason Matthews interviewing him yesterday um, on uh, Sports Central. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, I'm going to track down no looksy Brooksy. Okay, he's in a pub somewhere, I think, watching UFC, but we're going to focus on the NBA. A break and back with more. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with a good, I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat. Well, that could be about me, actually. I wish I was a little bit taller. But that that tune, that theme song, can only mean one thing. That means that we have tracked down no looksy Brooksy. Nathan, thanks for joining us. Where are you, mate? You uh, you're watching UFC. Which pub are you in? So, Dub, I'm down at uh, down at the Key at Winghouse. Have you been down here before? No, no. Should there I? There is TV. TV's everywhere. Yeah. Um, delivery to the table. I've had to find a quiet nook across <laughs> the food court here just to do this call. But, yeah, it's a great place. I watched the 2020 Grand Final down here, the Melbourne, Melbourne Victory. Uh, it's great. Service to the table. By the time you've hit the app, yeah, it's already on your table. How good's that? Like one of those instances. It's great. So where you know, you, give them a plug. Here, where is it? Yeah, Wing House down at uh, Circular Quay. I think there's one in Barangaroo as well. I don't think they've ventured outside the CBD just yet. But there's plenty of places like that around. Where's your favourite drinking hole to watch sport? Oh, mate, do you know, do you know I don't actually watch a whole heap of sport in, in the, the pubs these days. No, really? no, because no, I'm, I'm, when I'm at the pub normally if I'm with mates, I'm, I'm, I'm chatting away and having a drink. Yeah. And that. If, I'm watch, if I really want to watch a game of footy, I, I just prefer to be home and watch it. There you go. But I'm a bit older than you. Fair enough. Yeah. So 04, I can... 
0457-736-736. Where do you watch your sport? <laughs> your best drinking hole. All right. Well, that might fire them. I've got a few texts. Yeah. I will get Let's to. I, I will get to some of them shortly. Um, one of them, by the way, is uh, from Eric, uh, and he's asking, yep. "G'day, Chris. When does the Maddie Maddie Johns return to SEN? Is that this Friday? Do you know?" No, it's the Friday. Oh, yeah. Wait, let me let me think. It will be the. No, no, sorry, the 4th of March. I oh, so, okay, so a few weeks away. Yeah, before the season starts. Yeah, right. yeah, so Denon Camp, Andrew Webster. So Denon's in for Brandy, right? Andrew Webster, Andrew Johns. Right, so Andrews, yes, and, and Maddie. Yeah, nice. it should be good. I'm looking oh, forward mate, to it. It won't be able to compete with the run home. Uh, no way in the world. Which I think you probably should have called the home run. No? No, the run home's good. Either way. The boys, the boys like baseball, but not that much. So okay. we went with the run home. Fair you know, enough. We're going we're to run you home. Uh, the guys in SENZ call it the rub home. Uh, oh, Steve sorry? Donald. Steve Donald. Yeah, I know. He's a bit creepy like that. The rub home. Okay. Each to, their, <laughs> each to their own. Um, Brisbane Bullets 20 leading the Sydney Kins 17 uh, out there in uh, the first quarter at Kudos Bank Arena in the NBL. All right, let's have a chat about NBA, Brooksy. Um Now, Ben Simmons, all the drama a couple of days ago, the big, big trade, the blockbuster trade from uh, Philly to to Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden. Um, They're your team, aren't they, Nets? No, they're not. not. There's Brooke Brooke and Brooks. I can see how you got confused with that one. I used to be an old Supersonics fan. Okay, righto. So Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Detlef Schrempf, George Carl, that was my team. They moved to Oklahoma, where our boy Josh Giddies are applying his trade now, but yeah, the in- interesting trade. I, I think it was a bit of they both had to full, pull the trigger on that one. Harden's uh, contract was expiring. He wasn't getting on with Kyrie. Mm. He didn't like the situation he was in. Obviously, we know a lot about what's been happening with Ben Simmons. So the trade had to happen. Uh, both teams sort of getting something back for something that they could potentially lose or lose value in. Um, Harden's going to be a great fit with uh, Embiid. And I think Simmons is going to be a great fit with Kyrie and KD. So... Mm. This could, like, the way the ladder's playing out, and we'll go through a few games that have happened today, we could see this as a potential first-round, second-round clash in the playoffs. So I think that if we can get that in the playoffs, the Nets-Philly matchup, it's going to be amazing because of this history of the trade. Daryl Morey, that was the GM of Philly, who, who kept requesting with Sean Marks, the GM of Brooklyn, to try and get Harden to Simmons. Like, he was with him in Houston before he went to um, Brooklyn. So this is going to be really interesting. There's some really great storylines. And Bede put a uh, tweet out of him, like of a guy at a funeral the day Ben Simmons got traded. So there is so much history. Ben Simmons will probably be ready for the playoffs. I don't think he'll play soon. They need him. They need Durant back from injury. They've just lost 11 straight today. So... It's, it's going to make it for an interesting uh, storyline if they do clash in the playoffs. In terms of Paddy Mills, that effect, and Ben Simmons, they, they're polar opposites in terms of personalities. Yeah. Would that have been factored into the decision? And, and how much of a, a positive impact do you think Paddy can ha- have on Ben? Well, Paddy, Paddy actually came out in a presser yesterday and was saying that I've had his back, I'll always have his back. It was a really good interview. I, I suggest, I think the Nets have posted it on their Instagram, but it was great to see, and I think it did play a part in the trade. Mm. I think the Aussie connection there is going to be massive. I said I was speaking to Jace Matthews yesterday on Sports Central about how this could be really good for Australian basketball as well 
with future Olympics and World Cups in the next three years. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's a, a massive factor, and that that will actually show. It'll probably give uh, Paddy Mills a bit of longevity at the Nets as well. Like having him with Ben. Ben's on a big contract. He's on a max contract that he signed, I think, last season at the at the 76ers. So there is a long term there for Ben, and they want it to work. They've already got, you know, their two other stars there, and KD and Kyrie. So I think Paddy will be that that guy that can help him assimilate in the Nets, like in this season, but also long term, being like a mentor both at the Nets and and with Basketball Australia with the Boomers. So. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it was a massive reason why Sean Marks probably pulled the trigger on the trade as well. The big knock on Ben Simmons is his you know, shooting deficiencies and and, and you know, can't shoot long range. I see that today Nets coach Steve Nash has, has come out and spoke, and he said, look, uh, he, he's not really fussed about that because there's a thousand things that Ben can do on the basketball court, and shooting is yep. not really one of them. He will allow the other shooters in the team to get open looks. And also, he'll help Kyrie and KD get open looks as well. He's great on the defensive end. He's massive. He's 6'10 point guard. Like, you think of all the point guards that's been around. His coach, Steve Nash, is like 6'3. Chris Paul's six foot maybe. John Stockton, Gary Payton, they're all around that 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". He's 6'10". And he's one of the best defenders in the league. So that's what he brings to the table. I think the whole shooting thing has just been this outlier that people have used as a neg- negative point in terms of he can't shoot, he can't shoot. But he's got Kevin Durant. He's got Joe Harris, who's actually injured at the moment, but he might be back in the side soon. They've got, also got Seth Curry in the trade, Steph's brother, who's a great three-point shooter. He's one, one of the best all-time when you look at percentages. You've got Kyrie who shoots. Kevin Durant's an amazing shooter. They don't need him shooting. They need him doing everything else but shooting. And that's where the fit could be perfect for the Nets. We can't go through all the games, uh, Brooksy, but a stack of games on today. And still there's one or two going, I think there is. But uh, 76 is um, too good for, for the Cavs, 103 yeah. to 93. Um, just seeing who was amongst the points there. Uh, Embiid, 40-point um, triple-double. Yeah, yeah, he's obviously enjoying the fact that they've moved on from Ben Simmons and massive performance today. The Cavs are actually above the Sixers. They've been a real surprise packer. And the Cavs, have had, they've, they've, they got a trade with the Pacers for Karis LeVert, who's a guy that's bounced around the league. He was actually at the Nets a couple of seasons ago. But yeah, that was a massive win. The Nets and the Heat played today. As I said, they're 11th loss. The Heat now solo on top of the East. They've won five straight games. Another team that's been going really well as well, Chris, in the East, the Bulls. Mm. They won against the Thunder. Josh Giddy got a triple-double. And DeMar DeRozan, he's like an MVP candidate. He came over from the Spurs this year. So he scored 35 or more points in his last three games. He's doing like Jordan-esque numbers. So the Bulls, the Bulls fans are keen on him and, and what they've got at the moment. I watched them yesterday. They look really good. I think they could be a team that can challenge the Nets and the Sixers. And Golden State, they've scraped home. Um, the Dubs are beating LA Lakers by two. Yeah. Yeah, the, the interesting thing from this game wasn't so much the Warriors. Jonathan Kaminga, this rookie, he's awesome, the Warriors have got. He, they drafted him, I think, number seven just after Giddy, and he's been amazing this year. He's, he's 20, he's really active, he's going to be fun to watch with Steph and Clay and Draymond in the playoffs but LeBron all-time leader in points both regular season and playoffs he passed the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar today 
So when you I, look, I'm I'm a MJ goat, hundred percent. But you know, LeBron, this is an amazing accolade that he's achieved. His longevity in the game, I think it's 19 seasons now, and to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that says a lot. Kareem played over two decades and points in playoffs and regular season. To have that record, that that just shows. It's like Cameron Smith, the points mm. record he just he just broke a couple of years ago. It just mm. shows you how influential he's been in the league. And you know what? If you're a LeBron fan and you can say and you and you and you think he's the goat, well, you can make an argument for that now with the points record. But mm. it's the MJ all the day. All, all the way for me. Back at home, uh, the Kings and Brisbane out there at Homebush 22 plays 22 at the moment. We've got some funny listeners, haven't we, Brooksy? To your afternoon, your drive program, uh, the run home. Who we want? DK Muzza has just sent me a text. Any budget? <laughs> any any <laughs> any smuggler work at the beach this morning, uh, Chrissy boy? Um, okay. <laughs> Do our listeners really want to know? Well, hey, DK Muzza, every day, my friend, there is budgie smuggler action um, out where I swim. Um, the All Stars match. <laughs> the All Stars match so last yeah. night. Did you did you, you see any of it? All of it? Yeah, I thought it was topical because we do a basketball chat, right, mm. Chris? So I thought it's good, great way to start the season. The NBA have it halfway, um, or not halfway, but at the back end of the the regular season. Yeah, and I thought it was great. And, and this is the sort I would love to, you know. And I think you'll enjoy this. I think it's something we can take around the world. I think it's something we should take to New Zealand once the borders open up. I think it'd be great at Eden Park. But mm. you know what I'd like to see? A bit more of an NBA-style All-Star Day where we have, you know, we had the team relays, right? The grand final day. Mm. Why can't we do them on the All-Star night with the All-Star game and have that relay that we love seeing at the grand final? That they some, I don't know why they took it away, but add little things like that. Maybe goal-kicking competitions, the, the run, like the 4 by 100 with four of the fastest t- uh, players in each team. Like, it'd be a good way to... Do it halftime of both the women's and the men's games. You know, like make it a bit of a yeah. event like they do in the states with the Pro Bowl and NHL and NBA All Star games. Like they've got the home run derby in the MLB All Star game as well. I think we could really make it a bit more of a festival too. I thought it was great that the war cry and the harker at the start of the game was yeah. probably the best thing I've ever seen to start a rugby league game. Oh, I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah, I thought... everything about it. Everything about it was amazing. Seeing Preston out there on the didgeridoo, I think it's something we need to grow. Yeah, Origin's our big thing, but this is this has got to be our next big thing outside the NRL, right? Yeah, I reckon you're right, and I reckon they're going to make the big even bigger um, and add. They they will add some yeah. stuff to it. Uh, retaking it to New Zealand, we had Josh Kerr on earlier on, oh, an hour hour ago or a bit oh, more. Oh, legend! And he, yeah, good fellow. He, uh, he yeah. I don't know if he let the cat out of the bag, but he was sort of saying, uh, oh, I, I, well. I think it is going to Wellington next year. Let's talk about that. Oh, so, how good is that? So, Tim, that is a yeah. that is a great place. I I went for a Bledisloe. The pubs and bars around <laughs> the harbour there, yeah. going to the Cake Tin from the city, yeah. is unbelievable. It is. I, I suggest it, book your tickets now, everyone. Well, as, soon, as soon as you know what day. Well, it is, I don't want to throw Josh. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he sort of. Oh, so well, yeah, he let it slip that they that that's what they're talking about. <laughs> but that's the thing too, and we're talking about sport, and we're talking about recreation, and and making the event even bigger. You're right there. So the Cape yeah. Tin is one such venue, which I haven't been. Uh, have I been there? I don't think I have been there. But I've been to loads of venues around the world. You know, particularly in Europe. Um, I lived over in London for a long time. Going to a sporting yeah. event, 
um, where it's, it's sort of in the heart of the CBD or the city, or there's there are bars and clubs and pubs around that it makes such a big difference. It just extends the actual day out even further, doesn't it? It certainly does. Like when you go to the SCG and the SFS, I can't wait for the new stadium to open up, by the way, because I'm yeah. pretty much 20 minutes walk and there's about nine pubs on the way to the new SFS from my place. But like that makes that makes it for me. Like the whole Stadium Australia thing, look, great venue. It, was, it did its job for the Olympics. But game day on a Saturday, it's absolutely dead. Like, if you, you go, remember the old days yeah. of going, well, you're talking about the Kings Bullets game before. Yeah. Like you go down the Ensign and you've got all the places along Darling Harbour. Yeah. Now, what they've done down Barangaroo, it'd be amazing, right? Mm. Having the Kings down there, you can go down to Sporting Globe before and after the game. Ching, ching. Like, that's, I, th- I think that's a bit of a lost, mm. uh, I think, thing with having all these NRL and, and Origins out there that you miss that vibe of the CBD and being close to work on a Friday night or Thursday night. You've got to go out to ANZ. I know it's where a lot of people live. Yeah. But that vibe after work, no, getting no. your work colleagues, getting your mates, I don't know. It'd be great. They've right? tried. What, well, I mean, well, they've tried out there at Homebush to sort of build that type yeah. of atmosphere, you know, but it's, it just doesn't doesn't feel a whole horror. Yeah. Hey, just before you, you head off, mate, um, and this one, Brian sent me a text. How was unvaccinated Joe Tarpanay, who was man of the match, by the way, allowed to play last night? Um well, I'm not sure. Is he definitely unvaccinated? There must have been an exemption grant. I don't know if you've got any any info on that or, or even Justin, if no one's... No, no one? No. Okay. Bueller? I, I don't have anything, but I know he was in his undies practising the Harker a couple of days before. He was on the run home on Friday, which is always a good, um, a good place to go before you have a game. We had tri-scorers galore last year coming on the show then scoring doubles. Jared Wallace got a double. I think Isaiah Papali'i got a double. Now, Joey Taps is getting MVP of the All-Stars game the day before going on the run home. So, he mm. did mention that. I think I think the practice in the mirror in his, in his budgie smugglers like, could, have been, could have been the thing to get him over the line to be MVP. But, yeah, he had an awesome performance yesterday. Yeah. All right, Brooks, here you get back to it, mate. Is the main card done yet with USC or it must be... Close to him. Uh, we're in. We've got so at the moment, we've got it's the third last fight. So we've still got Lewis and Ty Tuivasa. Oh, I think that wait, this has ended. I can't see from where I am, but yeah, we've it's got two up, more surely. fights to go. We've got two two Aussies, Rob Whitaker in the main fight against Israel Adesanya, and then we've got Ty Tuivasa in the next one against Derek Lewis. Another fun person to follow on Instagram. Some of the videos are pretty hectic, but. He's good value. So, mm-hmm. yeah, two big fights coming up for the Aussies. I I don't know if we will get the win in either of them, but I'm hoping I'm, I'm cheering for both of them. All right. Well, uh, you know that Joel, he's got that uh, that multi going too. He needs Adesanya to win knockout, and then he needs Rams to cover the line tomorrow yeah. uh, for a fairly, so I've, I've, that's fairly the, big the payday. Rams one's me. The Rams one's me from drive, and oh. I feel like I'm going to ruin the multi now. <laughs> Nice. I'm, like, I'm just hanging on, hoping Gibbo's um, USC leg doesn't get up. Oh. It's all going to be on me tomorrow. <laughs> oh, God, Gibbo. Righto, mate. I'll let you go. I won't let you go. You go all on right, your own Christian. volition. Thanks for joining us. No worries. I have a couple of Captain Sensibles for you. I'll, and I'll have a couple of Shandies for you tonight, my friend. All righty. There Beautiful. is uh, No Looksy Brooksy, uh, the head honcho, really, of, of the, the run home. He keeps um, Joel and Fletch and um, the boys in check. Uh, on their best behaviour. Steve from Padstow sends me a text. Novaks, no play, no way. 
Um, so I'm just not sure, and I apologise, but one thing I don't generally do here, if I don't know something, I, I will admit it, I don't have the answer about Joe Tarpany, how he was allowed to play last night. There must have been an exemption made is all I can um, think about that. Brooks, he was suggesting making the All-Stars event even bigger and weaving into it, you know, the likes of the 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 relay, the, the, the NRL club relay that you often see at grand final day. Well, you used to see it when I was little. That was a big part of that. I, I used to like watching the, uh, the sprint relays. Um, whether they'd incorporate that into the All-Stars, I'm not sure. Mark from Prairiewood says, uh, I think this is what he's saying, Tom Trebojevic sprinting in the Corso. I rest my, my case. It won't happen, i.e. inferring that uh, clubs will want to protect their cattle and not have them involved uh, and, and risk any further injury. All right, we better take a another break. Uh, I'll keep you up to speed on what's happening with the uh, the Sydney Kings. That's in, uh, what is it, half-time break now? I think it is um, for the Kings. And uh, they hold a, a one-point lead, is it? 28 points to 27 over the Brisbane Bullets out there at Kudos Bank Arena. We've still got plenty to talk through. Uh, we're going to touch more on Super Bowl 56 uh, which takes place tomorrow morning. Again, a plug for that. Jared Waitley, um, he will be calling it play-by-play. Uh, it kicks off at 10.30 a.m. Sydney time, but uh, our coverage across all stations on SEN will begin at 9. So make sure you tune into that to all you uh, NFL lovers out there. So I'm going to talk more about the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to be joined uh, by Matt Bungard from the Wide World of Sports, and we'll do that uh, before we go off air. There are quite a few texts in there, which I will also get get to uh, before I wave farewell. I hope you're enjoying your afternoon. Chris Warren with you for about 19 minutes or so, and uh, we will uh, we'll focus more on the uh, UFC uh, as well, which is nearing um, the two main acts, if you like, are yet to uh, both... Uh, all those pairs of fighters are yet to step into uh, the octagon in Houston. So uh, that is not going to happen while we're on air. Uh, Ty Tuivasa um, or Shuivasa, he's in action. And um, so too Rob Whitaker. So we'll keep you up to date on all of that. And we'll also uh, zone in on a bit of a preview for the uh, Super Bowl 56, which takes place um, tomorrow morning. Uh, Justin, my good friend, we are going to go around the grounds um you know, I throw this to you. I throw this to you, and you can do the cross uh, for a golf update from the Victorian Open. Uh, we've just got Whitney Miller, who's seven under par, but at the moment, Chris, we've actually got someone on the line talking the um, Victorian Golf Open with Jimmy Emanuel from Golf Australia. I just wonder if Jimmy's on the line now. Hey, Jimmy. Sure, I'm. Sure, I'm Justin and Chris. I'm here and uh, out at 13th Beach and. Watching Hannah Green lead by four and a tie at the top in the men's between Ben Campbell and Dimi Papadatis. How many they threw, Hannah? Uh, Hannah's just played uh, the 12th, so she's going down the 13th now. She made a birdie there, so she's now 11 under. Whitney Hillier, the next best at seven, and then a couple at six under. So she looked a bit, uh, she was making it hard on herself a little bit earlier on, but she's right at the ship and she's looking very good coming on the home stretch now. And in the men's, sorry, Papadatis, did you say he's joined the leader? Yeah, Dimi Papadatis and Ben Campbell from New Zealand are sharing the lead at 19 under, uh, and they've sort of pulled away a little bit. Matt Griffin, uh, Victorian, is 16 under. So there was a three-shot lead, 
And John Lyris, the overnight leader, he's, he's having a bit of a tough day. He's two over through 13, so he's now five back of those guys tied at the top. He can play, Demi. I'm pretty sure he's uh, hails from up around the central coast. He sure does. He hails from Tukwe Golf Club, uh, and he certainly can play. He's won this tournament before. He's, he's had a couple of wins on the PJ Tour of Australasia, the New Zealand Open, yeah. another one on his resume. So, look, he, he'd probably be the favourite, but Benny Campbell uh, certainly can play. Uh, he's a he's a good good player and a good player in the wind as well. So this is a, a big chance for him, but it's it's kind of looking like a two horse race there unless someone can make a few birdies coming in. Great stuff, Jimmy. Thanks for that, Matt. Appreciate that, and uh, you can keep up to date uh, on the website through the Australian Open Golf, the Victorian Open, men's and women's, um, rapidly approaching um, their respective conclusions. Thanks for joining us, mate. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line. Keep those text messages. Um, coming through, and I will get to uh, get to them when I can. Now, we are going to talk to Matt Bungard. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, he'll join us after the break to talk about um, Super Bowl 56 and UFC 271. So many numerals, aren't there? Before that, um, just wanted to go through a couple of uh, these uh, text messages that have come uh, through here. Uh, just back, uh, Brian's question, uh, how was unvaccinated Joe Tarpanay allowed to play last night? Um in the All-Stars match, and uh, well, Justin has pointed, uh, Brian sent that text in, Justin has pointed it out to me that because the match was in Sydney, he was able to play. Had the match have been in Victoria or Queensland, under those state laws, he would not have been allowed to play. All right, so I hope that clears it up for you, Brian. Thanks for sending your text. Um, and Eric sent one through before, and I don't really want to, well, I want to read this text, but it sounds like I'm Give myself a big pat on the on the back. But he says, when does Matty Johns return to SEM? We think, as I said, in about three weeks, early March, the week before the NRL starts. That's when Matty Johns comes back. And Eric says, uh, you and Matty are the absolute best on the radio. You should be on together. Well, wouldn't that be nice? I'd love to be on with Matty Johns, Eric. Um, I don't think that is ever going to to happen, but I appreciate um, the pat on the back. Really do. Where is Rabs, you're saying? Um, is he good? Uh, why wasn't he calling yesterday's match? Uh, I don't think Rabs has called the All-Stars match for, for some time. So uh, I'm not sure exactly his level of involvement, what it will be this year for Channel 9, mate. So not quite sure there. He may call a few games. Uh, I, I really don't know. I don't think he knows himself, to be honest with you. Um, and is Josh Kerr related with Sam Kerr or Miranda Kerr? Um, no, I think that's no on both counts. I think that's no. But he's a good fella is Josh Kerr. Um, this one here, Willow from Windsor. They'll be flat out getting 10,000 to the cricket tonight. Sunday night time slot and a meaningless series. Okay. Um, whatever they post the crowd as, I think it will have some mayo on it. Okay. So you think they're just going to uh, inflate the crowd a little bit. Uh, loving the show, the Savo. Willow from Windsor. Good afternoon to you, Willow, my friend as well. Um, well, I threw out the challenge to them, to cricket supporters. Get out there and we want you to get at least 50% of what the All-Stars crowd was last night. So 27th hour at Parramatta, we need 13 and a half. Is that too much to ask? I think it might be. Stick around. More to come. 
Yes, indeed. We're in the home straight, and uh, those two big, big fights in UFC 271 from Houston, um, they are yet to happen. So uh, we were hoping we might be able to uh, get across them. Israel Adesanya and, and Robert Whittaker and the other Aussie, Tai Tuovasa, taking on uh, the KO King, Derek Lewis. They're yet to step into the octagon, so you'll have to go elsewhere to get across that. Joining us now from Wide World of Sports, Matt Bungard. I know he's a UFC tragic. He's probably at a pub now watching all the action. Uh, yes, I can and tell you are. He's also an NFL tragic as well. So, uh, Matt, thanks for joining us, mate, taking a bit of time out of your afternoon. How exciting is this NFL tomorrow shaping up? Super Bowl 56, oh, the Rams against the Bengals. And, I mean, even to think that the uh, the Bengals are in this position is quite unthinkable. Yeah, it's quite crazy. Uh, and you've actually na- you've nailed that. Ty's just actually stepped into the octagon as you finished talking there. So I'm Beautiful. watching it uh, through the front door of the pub whilst on the phone to you. So that's all right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, tomorrow... It's going to be a great game. Um, it's, it's just something a little bit different. Um, and, yeah, the Bengals, they finished the regular season with only 10 wins. And, you know, if a, lot, if a couple of little things had gone differently, they might have not even made the playoffs, much less have gone on this charmed run where they're now, you know, one game away from winning their first championship ever. Um, but, look, it, it's two very, very attacking-based teams. I mean, they've both got, especially the Rams, have good players on defense, but this is two very, very high-powered offenses. And sometimes that doesn't translate in these big games. The last... Two, the last two weeks of playoff football have been absolutely unbelievable. So hopefully we've got one more great game in this tomorrow. Let's talk about the quarterbacks if we can. I mean, that's where all Super Bowls mm. are won, right? I mean, that's pretty much where that's the right. MVP will come from as well. Um, so yep. uh, Matthew Stafford, you've got the Rams, and, and then you've got uh, Joe Burrow from the Bengals. How do they stack up against each other? Well, I mean, Joe Burrow has just done nothing his whole life except win. He won the college national championship two years ago, number one pick in the draft, and then you know, he, he's just come out and played really well in all these playoff games so far. And Matthew Stafford, well, look, it's impossible not to feel good Good for him. Like, if people don't know, he was drafted number one overall by the Detroit Lions more than a decade ago. Um, and they're, they're not a great franchise, I think it's fair to say. And after, you know, toiling away, never winning the playoff game, only making the playoffs once with them over that decade, he um, he was traded to the Rams this offseason and he was pretty much the missing piece. And he's been a big part of why they've been so successful, along with his favourite weapon, uh, wide receiver Cooper Cup, and of course Odell Beckham, who they picked up from the Browns midway through the year as well. Um, in terms of MVP, obviously, you know the two quarterbacks are always are always a good bet, but I also wouldn't mind having a look at either Aaron Donald or Von Miller as a defensive player. Von Miller, of course, won the MVP for Denver a couple of years ago. And Aaron Donald, he's arguably the best defensive player in the world, uh, and with a Cincinnati offensive line that did allow a lot of sacks against the Titans a couple of weeks ago, one of those two guys could make a couple of difference-making plays to see them get that MVP award instead. Mm-hmm. All right, mate, we'll let you go because you, you, I know the boys tied to Avasa is in the octagon. You want to go and watch that. Matty, uh, thanks for taking some time out. Appreciate it. Anytime, Chris. No Good worries, stuff. Mate. There he is, Matty Bungard from the wide world of sports. And uh, thank you to him. Hey, while I get the opportunity as well, I want to thank all of our guests. It's been a, a packed show, hasn't it? JJ Rocker from the Rock Podcast, uh, Jolie Kane, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports, former Sydney captain Alex Brosk, uh, Paul Dennett joined us from Cricket Unfiltered, uh, No Looksy Brooks talking all things NBA. Josh Kerr from St. George Illawarra Dragons. Um, thank you to him as well. Jackie Narricott, fresh after winning her silver medal um, last night in the skeleton. She was good enough to take time out. Well done to her. An historic day for the Australian team at the Winter Olympics. And then Maddie Bungard just there uh, from Wide World of Sports. Justin, thank you, mate, for all that you have done. Thank you, Chris. Uh, appreciate your help. Uh, stick around. Coming up, we'll have the best of Maddie Johns coming up. That will roll into 
to the best of uh, drive as well. And then our boys will be taking care of the uh, second T20 match cricket, Australia v Sri Lanka at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Now, before I uh, leave you, I wanted to get through uh, one little um, email or text if I could, but now um, it has escaped me. That is a shame. That is a shame because it was a, a joke that was uh, sent in. And here it is here. A couple of cows were playing cards. No, I better not read that. Goodbye. <laughs>